to the action shelf the podcast that celebrates the glory of b action movies i'm john campbell and i'm michael listman oh listman van dam valentine rolls along we talked about pound of oh, flesh yeah. last week with our buddy brendan jones and that's right this week we're bringing in another close friend of the show to continue this month of van dam and uh man i don't know if we're gonna have a better pairing of movie and guests this month <laughs> Then Mike Gergoni yeah. joining us to talk about 2001's Replicant. Greetings and salutations. How dare you make me watch this film? <laughs> That's oh, just a, that, Mike, it could have been so much worse. It could have been it a lot worse. Last week's. This is this is nowhere near as bad as some of the stuff we've watched on this show. Obviously. Well, he, here's the thing, though. Yeah. This movie, and we'll get into the details of it, <laughs> but combines a certain level of quality. Yeah. That I don't expect from the content that's here, mm -hmm. and that's what I right. found offensive. No, I, th I think you're Fair right. Enough. I think you're right, and that this is a actually kind of decently made movie. Um, yeah. Pretty, pretty well put together with with some good actors. And just mm -hmm. the script, though the script, I think, is the thing that really I, I don't I don't even know where to begin with it. Um, baffling is the word I kept yeah. using. Is baffling. Yeah. I think I have it written like sixteen times in my no, notes. I think, and I think that I think you're I think that is the right word for it because yeah that that is kind of the thing where I'm going like man like uh, all the pieces are here except that when the puzzle piece that isn't fitting is the script. That's that's some I feel problems like that's the, more often than not the problem with the with it definitely it definitely film. can be. We usually don't have a director as good as uh, this one here because we should right. say this is 2001's replicant and is directed by Ringo Lamb, who mm -hmm. uh, I don't know how familiar you guys are with Ringo Lamb, but he was a legend of Chinese action cinema before coming yes. to the U.S. Directed two of two of my favorite uh, Chai Yun Fat movies, City on Fire and Full Contact. Yeah. Um, and directed a, I mean, a bunch of awesome stuff. And this is one of four movies I think he made with uh, with Van Mr. Damme. Van Dam. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I was familiar with him because of Maximum Risk with yeah. Van Dam and uh, Natasha Hensrich. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I, well, he also uh, did In Hell, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. In Hell. Uh, yeah. uh, I, I I thought you were gonna. Oh no 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 never mind. I, I got I get those confused. I was gonna say Maximum Risk is not the one with Rob Schneider. That's knockoff. Um, but, uh, <laughs> oh no, uh, but we should also mention Maximum, Maximum Risk is another movie where Van Damme plays dual roles. Yeah. <laughs> and That's... Ringo Lamb also directed Twin Dragons, the movie with two Jackie Chans. I was just about to bring that up. Yeah, he's got a history of this, <laughs> he's, he's got one gimmick. Yeah, it's what if it, uh, you know, how you love this action star? What if there were two of him? Ooh. I do love the Prince and the Popper 
element of twin dragons yes. though it is yes. less weirder than this movie well and actually we uh maximum risk is the same thing right where he has to assume his brother's identity uh, mm-hmm. uh that he didn't know was a spy and stuff like that so it's a similar thing yeah this is far and away the weirdest thing because even like other my favorite dual van damme movie by far is double impact uh, uh, which I, I was going to ask if it was Time Cop because he also well Time Cop time. is cool because he does play the display the time displaced version of himself interacting right. with past version of himself, mm-hmm. which is great. And I do I have stated many times how much I love the movie Time Cop. But uh, no, I think Double Impact <laughs> that's the most you get of the two Van Dams where he plays Alex and Chad, uh, mm. one who's good at at martial arts, <laughs> one who's good with guns. That is the what separates them as people. Basically, an action star. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, together they will. You know, they will be the hero of this movie. Um, I'm surprised he's never made a movie like this called Double Damn. You know, <laughs> that yeah, you're right. Oh, I mean, wow. d- d- I'm sure it's coming, man. Because um, this guy's always got something in the hopper. Um, yeah. And- <laughs> Okay, I just looked to see what he's currently working on. He's in the next Minions movie, and he's playing a character named Jean-Claude, but that's C-L-W-E-D. Jean-Claude. Oh, boy. Yeah. (laughs) Looks like they went and got a lot of the action guys because Dolph Lundgren also does a voice in it, too. In Minions. Yeah. What is the what is the the connective tissue between the Minions franchise and the action shelves genre? Well, of films? I'll, I'll like, say is I'll say this one has got Jean Claude Van Damme, Dolph Lundgren, Danny Trejo, Lucy Lawless, and Michelle Yeoh. Those are a lot of our people in that movie, Liz. What the fuck? <laughs> and the RZA? What is this movie? Ah, <laughs> uh, yeah. All I know is, is Alan Arkin. Of- Alan Arkin is voicing a character named Wild Knuckles. Okay, all right. Is this going to be like a Patreon? to give Russell Brand work again? Well, Russell Brand actually is in all of the Despicable Me movies. He does the voice of that old guy who assists Gru. I don't know if anybody remembers this. He, like, rides around on a little scooter. The last last time I saw a Despicable Me movie, it was the first one, and Mm -hmm. it was in theaters. And I enjoyed it. I think we all went to that. Yeah, and that was about where I was with it, too, where I was like, well, that was... That was fun. I don't need good. to see five more of these things. And I definitely don't need no. to see Minion spinoffs. But now I think we do need to see some Minion spinoffs. Uh, we might have to watch this one. <laughs> it's cross-pollinating with our sort of, you know, corner of entertainment Hey, the, I mean, I think a rule we have on this show is once you put Van Damme and Lundgren in something, we have to watch it. <laughs> I think so. Uh, someday we will have to cover Double Team, the... Uh, Van Damme, Dennis Rodman buddy action movie. Um, Don't we have another Dennis Rodman film? Well, we up? Uh, actually, I, I, is it our first movie after uh, Van Damme oh, uh, Valentine's? Right, yeah. I, th- I think might be the. Uh, let's see here. here. Yep, the first movie we're doing after we finish the month of Van Damme is the Dennis Rodman Dane Cook vehicle. Simon says, oh, "Jesus, Gergoni, how glad every are you time, are every to time not be on that it. one." Every time you say it, it hurts. It hurts yeah. me deep inside. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so let's just say Lord, maybe maybe uh, cool it with the complaints about Replicant there, Gargani, because you could be watching <laughs> Dennis Rodman and Dane Cook. <laughs> uh, 
I'm sorry, John. I was just browsing over to the... I wasn't really listening to what you were just saying. I was browsing over to the other Minions movies to realize that Michael Keaton is in the first Minions spinoff movie. So well. I think there is a case to be made for y'all watching all the Minions and Despicable Me movies on the action show. There I think we might, might have to, like, be. as bonus content... We might have to do that. Movies. And here I would have thought, if we were going to watch a kid's <laughs> animated franchise, you would have thought Kung Fu Panda would be the action show one. You'd think. But no. But those movies are maybe a little too good uh, you know <laughs> well, a little too high quality also there is a an action shelf crossover character in the form of hiroyuki sanada played scorpion in the most recent mortal Kombat movie is also mm. in the minions movie there you go mortal Kombat, hey. by the way very much an action shelf-esque movie uh for yeah, those who have seen just it the much bigger budget yeah 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 uh, that's uh, anyway let's talk about replicant um yes. i will start with the one sentence <laughs> as we said a, a rule for action movies is imdb needs to be able to boil the movie down to one sentence mm. scientists create a genetic clone of a serial killer in order to help catch the killer teaming up with two cops period what two cops two, just the one cops. cop and one uh, and he's not even a cop i think i think that, they that i think true. they're lumping in the female partner who's in the movie sometimes if anything She's the cop, and Michael Rooker is a retired cop. You know, I mean, he's not really right a off the bat. We do need to, and we'll get into it. When we go into the plot, but um, I think one of the biggest problems with this movie is how wildly unlikable Michael Rooker is. Oh, I mean, <laughs> are you talking about abusive father, famously Michael Rooker? Yeah, I mean, not yeah. in real life, but like yeah. he has made a career out of being an abusive father figure. Yeah, oh, and here, I, Mike, I thought you meant in real oh, life. Oh no, 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 so no, 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 I'm so worried. No, as far as I know, he's a delightful yeah. human. That's yeah, I, but yeah. boy, does he play this type of character really well? He really uh, does. He really does. Uh, including showing up in F nine as a surrogate troubled father figure out of nowhere where you're like oh shit yeah. of course it's rooker um yeah here i i don't know if it's a combination of him being the wrong choice for this part versus how it's written as well because yeah. holy shit i i mean essentially rooker's kind of the main character of this thing really yes 100 percent. yes that's why the poster is so I realized why the poster was so odd after watching this movie because the poster, at least most of the posters, are Van Damme, mm -hmm. Replicant, and yeah. then Michael Rooker's name really big under Replicant, yeah. making me think the movie is Replicant colon Michael Rooker. <laughs> <laughs> Every movie you is know. a different character actor so it's also replicant steve buscemi um Ooh, that would be a franchise i'd be really into actually buscemi versus buscemi uh yeah, just, just every movie kidding. is replicant paul giamatti you know or whatever yeah it's just that most of the time with the posters, when you have a bunch of leading names, they're all listed along the top most mm -hmm. of the time. Yeah. So seeing one under the title is odd. Dude, I, I, I can't think of many other movies I've seen. No, where but I will case. tell you exactly what this screams of is Van Damme says name above title, but Rucker also has something in his contract that is name on poster. So Van Damme mm. is above title, but Rooker's still on poster is my guess because it really should be like van damme rooker replicant you know yeah right yeah yes. but no it is i mean and i i do love the action stars who are just one name van damme replicant 
Yeah, there's no other Van Dams out there. I mean, I love it. It's even better when it's the first name, like in the glory days of Schwarzenegger, right? When it just said, Arnold Commando. And you're like, I got to see this. Right. (laughs) And I don't know if there... I do not mean to cast dispersions on Michael Rooker, but yeah. is there any point in his career where he is the the headlining titler of a movie? No. Like, he's always a great supporting actor for the most part. Yeah. I don't know if he's ever been, like, the lead in a thing. Uh, the only thing I can think of is Henry Portrait of a Serial Killer in the mid-'80s that was sort of like mm-hmm. his big breakout thing. But once again, that's a small indie movie where he is playing the titular serial killer. And uh, it's a chilling, realistic portrayal of a killer. And that got him a lot of acclaim and I think got him other works. But no, he is always, I can see, he's very much, and he's a, an amazing character actor. Uh, yeah. One of our finest, really. I mean, the guy works a ton for good reason. He's great. But yeah, he's always the guy next to the guy or the weird, I mean, I think he, uh, I think Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy is a perfect example of how to really effectively use Rooker. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. This... I've also, like, I remember him having, like, little guest spots on, like, Stargate, and he's mm-hmm. been on CSI. I think he was in an episode of Chuck, if yep. I'm remembering well, correctly. Like, he's he... shown up in a bunch of genre stuff. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Did, did a whole arc of episodes on Walking Dead where he was very good and had a oh, knife yeah. hand. Oh, yeah. Um, you yeah. know, I mean, so, yeah. Love I mean, that knife hand. Oh, the knife hand was great, man. Um. But, uh, you know, so, yeah, he, he is that guy. And, like, or, or like we were talking about, he was just in the most recent Fast and the Furious for, like, two or three scenes. You know, and he's really solid. Mm-hmm. He's a good actor who can deliver, mm-hmm. you know, some really good gravitas in a couple scenes. But I, I feel like he's weirdly cast in this movie. Like, yeah. I don't think he's this guy. Yeah. Well, because he's asked to portray this fatherly paternalism towards uh, we will talk about van damme's performance in this well, film because who boy that's that's a whole <laughs> other conversation both performances um but yeah. particularly the replicant um yeah but but rooker is asked to portray like i said this kind of father-like role but an abusive father-like role yeah but we're all yeah. supposed to empathize with the abusive father it's just a very weird balancing act I between mean, performance and script across the board yeah. i think one of the big problems is they they really hit the abusive part of it they don't hit the fatherly stuff nearly as hard in this movie yeah. Right. And that's, It'd that's be one thing if they were like comparing and contrasting to his relationship with his actual kid and like that's the point of it or whatever. But that is oh, here, here's another for. here's another question I have is is that his kid? What is the deal with that I thought, kid? Not maybe not biologically, but certainly. Yeah, I like, mean, because it's I, I don't we'll talk. About, I don't understand the entire relationship he has with his partner in this movie. It feels just intentionally vague, you know. Yeah. Like they they didn't really want to explore that. What it because... what it seemed like to me is they had an ex wife character and they had a partner character, and then in a later draft they just went eh, to save money, we'll just make it the same woman and take out the stuff that expressly makes it the ex wife. I mean, mm. you know, they they streamline it in a way that a lot of these movies don't, and where oftentimes we'll we'll see two characters that don't really. F- fill in like a full function in mm-hmm. a movie and, and we're often our crit- critique of that is just why not just put those into the same character so you don't have to have 
like yes, a plethora. Yes, that is something we do, but here now is the danger of doing that. <laughs> well, yes, if you don't, like, actually create a cohesive character, then yes, that does backfire. Yeah, it's but, still, it still yeah. requires good screenwriters, which these movies rarely have. And let's look at who wrote this movie. Uh, Lawrence Riggins and... Why do I know Les Weldon? Les, he... Uh, I looked at his IMDb. He's had his hands in quite a few uh, pretty big budget action films. He actually. has as a producer. That's what's interesting. He's produced yes. a lot of bigger action films. When you look at him at, at, in his writing, though, oh, it is nothing but action shelf material. Yeah. Listen, we've seen another movie that this guy wrote, and that is the Steven Seagal vehicle, Mercenary for Justice. So good. Such a, <laughs> such a good movie. Here's the thing. I couldn't tell you anything about that movie because it's just another Seagal movie. I just know we've seen it because I remember the title. I rem The only thing I remember about it is that Steven Seagal had to have a stunt double for running down a sidewalk yeah. and then also hopping over a like hip, like tall <laughs> divider. Yeah. That's all I remember about the film. That's frequently oh the God. case. Hmm. Lawrence Riggins, yeah. the, other the other writer on yeah. Replicant, yeah. doesn't have a lot of writing credits. Okay. Seven in total, okay. including Replicant. <laughs> okay. But one of them has possibly the dumbest name I have ever seen uh, on any movie ever. I think and I'm that's saying at, something. I think I see oh, it boy. here. Go ahead and read it, Gurgani. Deathumentary? Deathumentary. <laughs> that was what I was seeing, yep. Deathumentary. IMDb doesn't even have a plot description on this movie. Because... I'm assuming it's a documentary that kills people. The poster just says the the tagline oh, yeah, is yeah. "Deathumentary." Danny is making a movie. Dot dot dot, and then lead in dot dot dot. <laughs> Everybody is dying to be in it. Yeah, blah blah blah. Just to give people Good the Lord. image, that is six dots. That is two separate ellipses. <laughs> Good That's lord! Way too many dots. That should not be allowed. Uh, <laughs> he also wrote a movie called Hell Girl Death Fighter. I think Death Fighter might be a future episode. Actually, I think this actually yeah. is on the calendar at some point in the next couple I, years. I feel oh, like it Death definitely Fighter has come up in the randomly generated action movie. Well, listen, we have to watch this because it's Don the Dragon Wilson and Cynthia Rothrock. Oh shit! Yes, we do have to Death watch this. Fighter. Oh, yeah. God. Okay, we'll have to watch that anyway. Death <laughs> uh, but I should also mention Les Weldon also wrote a movie that was on the list to do here, but we ended up uh, it, it got shifted off, which was the other Jean Claude Van Damme movie, The Order, which we were going to mm. do here as part of this, which he co-wrote with Van Damme. So, uh, oh shit! Yeah, that one we just weren't able to track down. It wasn't a readily available movie, so. That's yeah. why we ended up skipping that one. Uh, but hopefully that we can find it someday and come back around to it. But anyway, Replicant. This movie is a just, just described as a science fiction thriller, which... In a way, yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, let's, let's dive into the movie itself, and we'll go through this, because, Gregoni, I really, really want to get your thoughts on this as a science fiction story. Okay. Yeah, <laughs> because it's so interesting to me. This this is a sci yeah science fiction thriller, um, and it's definitely leaning into a lot of like serial killer. The vein of Minority Report. Yeah, yeah. Oh, just right, exactly. just at that level. 
There's a there's another much movie much less ambitious than Minority Report, but you know. There's another movie out at the same time, Gargoni, that's in theaters, and that's a movie called The Sixth Day. Do you remember that movie? Mm-hmm. 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 And I feel like this might have been a little bit of a mockbuster here. Well, and here's the interesting thing. I I, I want to look up the release date of this. I, I th- the release of this movie, specifically yeah. the date of it, mm-hmm. uh, it is very curious to me. Because, yes, mm-hmm. The Sixth Day actually did premiere uh, almost a year before this. Yeah. Um, Which, uh, Lisbon, are you familiar with The Sixth Day? No. That's I'm a, that's a sci-fi clone movie with Schwarzenegger. Hmm. So the sixth day was November seventeenth, yeah, uh, two thousand, mm-hmm. and this movie specifically, well, this didn't even have a theatrical release, as far as I can tell. No, 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 this was a straight to video, yeah. Like yeah. But uh, and it originally uh, premiered in Brazil, of all things, uh, until it finally premiered. Here's an interesting date for y'all: mm. September eighteenth, two thousand and one. So. Oh. A week after September 11th, this movie is released. This was the movie wow. we needed post 9/11. There's no question. <laughs> but, but 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 here's the thing, right? Is yeah. like it it premiered in Brazil and some other markets yeah. as early as that, May. The, by the way, this, this. is a, that's a frequent thing with these action shows. We don't talk about it a lot, but a lot of these do get theatrical releases in foreign territories and then go straight to video here in the U.S. Hmm. But, but a big undercurrent of this film is. The, the technology that's being utilized, the replicants, as it yeah. were, are being designed by some shadowy government organization to be the front line on the war on terror. Right. They don't use those terms, but like in a few short months and seven days prior of its U.S. release, that's going to become a much more pressing issue. True. True. Yeah, that that is, that is interesting. I, I didn't even think about that while watching it because hearing a government agency talk about using resources to fight terror is so ubiquitous now in reality and in pop culture that Mm -hmm. but you're right as you say that yeah at the time it would have been because they just say like we were mostly going to use the resources to fight terrorism and this was a time when terrorism was a loose term you know and 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 i i I mean i remember as a kid all the 90s action movies being about terrorists were it came to mean something completely different post 9-11 obviously yeah and you brought up the sixth day what yeah. i found interesting about the the compare because i was thinking about that movie mm. uh, in comparison to this one because a it's just six days a better movie it's it, schwarzenegger he's evil clone conspiracy it's great it's it's really good it also i uh we'll talk about uh, uh the budget of this movie but i'll just say the sixth oh, day shit. the sixth day cost 82 million dollars to make it also but, also has Michael Rooker in it. Mm-hmm. Oh, now that I forgot about. It's been a while since I've watched it. <laughs> That's what I was thinking about it because I was like, uh, I swear I've seen. I thought like I was having flashbacks to a different movie while I was watching Michael mm-hmm. Rooker deal with these problems. <laughs> yeah. Now it's interesting because once again, though, like this, though certainly the other cast goes even deeper. We have guys like Robert Duvall. And stuff like that, where because it's once again, it's a major studio. We're talking a major studio release. Uh, yeah, early Terry Crews vehicle. Early, there. yeah, early Terry mm-hmm. Crews. Exactly. It's uh, uh, you know, I mean, uh, that's one of the reasons why we talked about we had to kind of cheat to get Schwarzenegger on the show is because he hasn't really made garbage at this level. 
Um, mm. He's in. So it is. But I just think it's interesting, and it was it. I, I read some reviews from the time of this movie that brought up, "Oh, this feels like it's just a shitty version of the Sixth Day." It, it it is, but it's also clearly reacting to other. I mean, the bomb in action movies that is the Matrix, right? Like, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Yes. In the pod is like so. And anything to do with computer tracking mm-hmm. in this film is so clearly a response to the matrix even to the yeah. point where the opening title sequence is very similar with a are you tracking them do you know where he is and mm. like zooming through the, the oh yeah, digital yeah. oh landscape. god yeah oh my god 100 percent. i love i love that shit um uh the other thing though i was thinking about just in comparison to the sixth day is the thing in that movie that is more inherently interesting is schwarzenegger comes home to find the clone with his family and they're being like wait a minute like the idea is this clone has replaced me that is just inherently more dramatic more emotional like just in terms of the plot here we'll talk about like what the hell is replicant like as a character as a thing like it's so weird there's just the sixth day is just a better conceived movie too uh, for yeah. an action movie about cloning, like it's just it's just got more. Ooh, that's a hook. Like I remember seeing the trailer for that, being like, "What? This man who looks like me is raising my family," and you're going like, "Okay, yeah, I want to see that movie." Here, mm-hmm. there's so many questions, and I don't understand who I'm supposed to care about or why in this movie, other than, yeah, it's bad to have a serial killer killing people sure but you know um, let's let's get to the point in the plot where the replicant is introduced <laughs> so once we have context for that yeah 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 because really, yeah, as we said you're going you kicked us off all right when you were talking about we start with this 911 call where we're tracing through the digital landscape of phones and it starts with this weird uh very much not matrix quality kind of static and code <laughs> stuff at the start here and and you're just hearing this phone call going, oh my god, he's gonna hurt me! Please, someone help me, my baby! Uh, and then we get, oh my god, one of my favorite things in this movie, which is Van Damme's bad guy wig. Oh boy, <laughs> love that bit. yeah, love that bad guy wig. Where it's just Very like, oh, okay, we need a visual way to separate the replicant. By the way, in my notes, I just call them replicant and killer. Um, mm-hmm. I know the guy had the guy actually has two names, which threw me. Of course. He has a title and then two names. Yep. Yeah. Uh, Because his title is The Torch, which is better than The Pardoner. Uh, Yes. (laughs) Still still the worst name anyone's had on this show. Um, Which is better than the worst name for a villain ever (laughs) conceived. The Pardoner. Um, But but the the, the IMDb lists the characters Edward Garrott, which also, which I love as a killer's name. Um, But uh, shouldn't he use Garrott? Weirdly enough, doesn't strangle people. No, I know, right? Yeah, he he stabs and burns. Um, What's the villain's name? Daniel Strangle. Yeah. Um, (laughs) They they call him Danny Choke for short. Um, His name is Ralph Stabby. (laughs) Yeah. No, uh, uh, but then we find out that's not, he has a real name too, which I've forgotten because it doesn't matter. Um, uh, did is, you write it down, Lisman? Um, can I just say, I think the best part of last week's episode was Brendan finding it hilarious that we have notes on these movies. Um, <laughs> uh, there was a point where Lisman was flipping through his notes and Brendan's like, I, you wrote down 
pages of notes yeah man yeah otherwise i'm gonna forget everything no that's the um, only reason i write down as much uh, as i do luke savard oh that's that's a bad guy name uh it luke sure savard. Is. um but uh uh what was he gonna say is uh yeah you you have him so you have him and that's the only way we can tell that they're different of course is he's also got these bad guy sunglasses on the whole movie too uh, sorry yeah. just one more philip flazen mames <laughs> i think that takes it just for the alliteration alone uh, <laughs> uh mames spelled just like it sounds uh, yeah so yeah, we get the, okay we get van damme his creepy serial killer performance because yes this woman is 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 he's killing her but then he picks up her baby and he's like hush little baby don't say a word you know as he moves it towards the crib and you're like "Ooh, he's creepy but he's creepy in the way that like it's very stock movie serial killer right like right. We, we're, we're big van damme fans on the show and i think he's totally fine in the serial killer part but it's just such an amalgamation of any other i mean like in in a world where we're like post seven and stuff like that we're very like yeah we've seen a lot of serial killer movies at this point a lot of serial yeah, killers, we're, yeah. we're post hannibal lecter we're post seven we're you know uh mm-hmm. the 90s was rife with serial killer movies and this just feels like yeah it's just one of those you know i don't really the guy isn't super well defined it's it's they make serial killers very simple here where it's like his mom was awful and did something and that made him a serial killer i mean they did at least Oh, yeah. they're, ahead, they're, they're playing on psycho right yeah 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 oh 100 mm, yeah. percent. also yeah and we actually just a few years before this had that psycho remake too which is very much in the uh 90s serial killer uh boom with yeah. the uh stunning performance of vince vaughn man <laughs> i love vince vaughn but i don't know what why van zant was like that's the new norman bates um that's the guy there he is who knows? Uh, and that I mean, I'll no. say that Vaughn's entire performance was just like, just be vacant, Vince. Just lose any sense of charm or humor you normally have and just be dead behind the eyes. Great. The uh, idea of like a charming, smiley serial killer is something we've seen in like American Psycho, right? Mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. that's also been explored. Vince Vaughn as a as a serial killer, actually, I highly recommend people check out the movie Freaky that was out uh the other year. <laughs> was fantastic. And Vince Vaughn as a serial killer in that was very effective in the sequences where he is a serial killer because that's a body swap movie with a serial killer, which is just a very clever... Talk about a new turn on a serial killer movie. That was very good. Um, The movie Vince Vaughn plays The Last Girl, which is just as entertaining. Yes, basically if the slasher and the final girl of a horror movie swapped bodies is what the plot of that movie is, which is really fun and funny. Mm. So then you also have a teenage girl who uh, is really a 45-year-old serial killer inside. (laughs) Which is very, very good. But they're both, both the main actors in that are great. Um, watch that. Uh, don't watch this. Uh, yeah, but, so uh, all of JCVD's stuff in this first sequence where yeah. he's being a serial killer, serial killer is very rote. It's and it's very just like rote, yes. Very much film language of, yeah. he's a creepy serial killer. Get it? Yeah. You'll see it later, but you know he's got a wall of creepy shit. <laughs> <Yep>. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. he, but does he ever have a studio-issued wall of creepy shit? Uh, it's such a props department. Like, okay, serial killer wall, you got it. Um, it's my speciality. Bloody toys and pictures of Michael Rooker. Got it. Mm-hmm. 
So speaking of Michael Rooker, he, he rolls up on the scene with his partner, who, by the way, I really like the actress who plays his partner, Catherine Dent. She was on one of my favorite shows, mm-hmm. The Shield. Uh, if, if people watch that, she was great on that show. Um, she doesn't have anything to do in this movie. Um, no. But uh, uh, she's, you know, but she is believable as a police officer, mainly because I saw her play a police officer for seven seasons on The Shield very convincingly. Um, but she's just here to be like, what? And why are you doing this? And my son! Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, and to like, give Michael Rooker confused looks, which it seems like every other character in this movie, that's their only purpose here, is to look at Michael Rooker like he's insane. Which yeah. is fair, because the the concept that Michael Rooker is in on, that nobody else is in on, is insane. Yeah. And so in yeah. the explanation of it, would make him look insane. So Rooker, it is. Rooker rolls up just as Van Damme is pouring a bottle of booze all over this woman's body, then lights a $20 bill and drops it. <laughs> it's symbolism. Don't you get it? <laughs> um, I, don't, I don't know if yeah, either I one of you guys noticed this, but he, he pulls out a $20 bill, and then when he actually lights it and drops it, it's a $1 bill. <laughs> just yeah. why not just make it a one dollar bill in the first place? i don't know i don't know why you fake money that you could light on fire why even have that? him light a bill i don't know what there's what there's there's also some sort of anti-capitalism thing with him well because that's the money you wasted in purchasing this film to yeah. buy to watch it. <laughs> that's right look we're literally burning the money you spent on this um that's what you get for buying replicon um but uh, so there, there's there's no time, of course, right? Rooker rushes in, even though wait, there's smoke. You got to wait for the fire department. He's like, I don't think so. Classic action shelf hero moment here. No yeah. time to wait for backup. And he kicks in yeah. the door here, uh, and then of course Rooker has to leap through a wall of flames to get to a baby, saving the mm-hmm. cat. Much um, while we're at this here, I mean, we're hitting all the notes. I'll yeah. say there were I was looking for clearly fake baby moments mm-hmm. because that's a big thing when you go to saving the baby moments oh, in action movies yeah. is seeing those fake babies is always something that gives me joy. I mean, and they do a pretty good job of hiding the fake baby in this do, one. They, they do. They do cuz it's it, it's a real baby in the crib and then it's just completely wrapped up and in Rooker's arm for pretty much the rest of this here. We don't get any smart, um, yeah. I mean, if you want to see the ultimate in fake baby, Clint Eastwood's American <laughs> Sniper is the all-time either high or low depending on how you're how you appreciate fake baby but bradley cooper is an amazing actor but boy him trying to sell that he's holding a real baby in that scene yikes (laughs) i don't care how good you are you can't do that um so he's there uh but of course he get at a certain point they start going like every open up all these windows and i thought now look i don't know as much as i know about fire i learned from backdraft but still wouldn't this cause the fire to grow bigger as you bring in more oxygen? That's always the thing in movies is as soon as they're like, no, don't open, and then the fire blows out. But here they're like, yeah, open no, the... Op- John, all I learned from about fire, I learned from Rescue Me. So oh, yeah. Know. Well, that's true. Yeah, that, that's the other one. <laughs> uh, but I think I think both Backdraft and Rescue Me agree that bringing more oxygen in uh, raises the fire. But here it puts it out somehow. You know who else agrees? Mm. Scientists. Yeah. Oh, they're good too. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I don't actually think the fire. 
I, like the opening of the windows, I don't think actually accomplishes anything because the place does burn down. That's true, Completely, but it, yeah. it doesn't. It, I guess it doesn't make it better or worse. But they make such a big deal about quick, get these windows open. Why? Maybe I mean, just to shout to down fair, at the people. They aren't police, or they are police officers, <laughs> not firefighters. So they're so. complete dummies when it comes. We were never trained about fire. <laughs> just saying. Yeah, this is why Rucker yeah. should have waited for the fire. So he ends up out on this weird little wooden platform that has elect uh, electricity transformers on it. Seems. I don't convenient. think I've ever seen one of these in my life. No. Well, if you in bigger cities, they are a thing, especially okay. in alleys and stuff. Yeah. When you don't have telephone poles, because we live in a fairly like spread out in, uh, northwestern town, there aren't a ton of like tightly compact and of course this movie takes place in seattle I was so just that a, actually does i was just about to say yeah. much like this movie takes place in a mostly spread out pacific northwest city <laughs> yeah you wouldn't know it by the filmmaking uh look of the movie no but. no let's see if i can find like a couple of obligatory shots of like where, definitely seattle don't worry about it where did they oh, shoot I, this I, thing i checked off the stock footage box in the bingo card real early <laughs> well in this movie. you better believe this thing was shot in vancouver bc yeah and yes okay. if you want to go the ahead bulgaria of the pacific northwest well additional footage was shot in bulgaria Ah hell yeah! They All did. Right. They did in Eastern do, Europe. They did do yes. some pickup shots in Bulgaria, apparently. Nice. <laughs> yeah. Um, How's that bingo card looking? It's, it's okay. looking pretty uh, good. Actually, no, one. that gives me bingo. Oh, hey. All right. All right. Uh, over on the over on the left side of the bingo card, we've got. The, the clearly a stunt double, because there are scenes oh, yeah. in this movie oh, yeah. where it's Some clearly... Well, I mean, yeah. as soon as you have two of one guy, that's going to happen, man. That's well, guaranteed. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah. We've got our bad science box, because oh, obviously... A whole movie, so, yeah. yeah. <laughs> We've got the you've gone too far box, yep. which is every character talking to Michael Rooker in this yep. movie. Finding the MacGuffin, yep. whether or not we count Jean-Claude Van Damme's the MacGuffin. We're, we're willing to let that go, yeah. Sure. Yeah, and finally yeah. filmed in Eastern Europe. Yeah. Done. Bingo. Yeah. Got it. All right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, did we talk about the budget of this movie? No, we have not. Uh, I don't know if you guys, because uh, I said, so the sixth day I said cost $82 million. Would either of you like to venture a guess as to how much this movie cost? I'm going to go with 12. 12? Okay. Keep in mind it's 2001. Lisman, Gurgoni yeah. says 12. I definitely overshot the last movie. I think this movie cost more than Pound of Flesh. Which, which Although, for reminders, cost $7.5 Yeah, but that was even 2015. Mm -hmm. Gosh. 12 is a good guess. Uh, I will... I'll just overshoot it a little bit. I'll say $20 million. 20... The only reason I'm saying 12 is because of all the fire effects, honestly. I think it could be cheaper. Um, I, I will say Gurgoni wins because he's the closest without going over, playing by Price is Right rules. Mm. $17 million. Okay. Okay. $17 million. Yeah. Driving and that those wide shots yeah. cost money. Yeah, yeah. Uh, there's there's some money on the screen here. Not, the, no, not like like we were saying, the quality of this is this does look better than Pound of Flesh, which we watched last week. Like 100%. this is a much better made movie. It it is just it's somebody needed to take a look at the script in any capacity. Um, oh, yeah. So yeah, because Brooker, while he's out there on this uh, platform, there he locks eyes with the torch. 
Mm. Well, because that's the whole dramatic tension of the scene is in the moments where Rooker is bursting in. And the character has a name, but I always just thought of him as Michael Rooker. Right. He's Detective Jake Riley, that's but it's right. Michael Rooker. Yeah, it, yeah. it is Michael Rooker. I, I didn't remember Riley. They say Jake a lot in the movie, but yeah, it's okay, yeah. But we're yeah. going to keep calling him Rooker. Uh, but the whole dramatic tension of this scene is he caught, like, the, the whipping coattails of the serial killer fleeing as he burst into the apartment. Yeah. But he hears a crying baby. So the whole dynamic in this, like, ten-minute stretch of him escaping from a burning building is, must save baby? Must catch serial killer? Oh, no, what to do? When any reasonable human being is like, well, you saved the baby. I gotta say, though, my favorite moment in this is when this old guy pokes his head out of a window and goes, hey, what's going on out there? And and the torch just brings the entire window down on the guy and he goes through the glass of it. <laughs> the glass breaks around and says, oh, no! Just to drive home how much of a bad guy, <laughs> or how much of a bad boy yeah. he is. Oh, he's a the very bad boy. Very bad boy. The, the amount of collateral, like, just random people murder slash beating up that yeah. <laughs> the I mean, torch does in this film I have is to, ridiculous. I have to imagine this frail old man was killed by this, right? Like, oh, that guy's definitely. 100% dead. Yeah. And the next scene, we see him fleeing through traffic, and he just guns a couple of people down while they're driving <laughs> in their cars. I know. Yeah. I, for yes. no apparent reason. Yes. Th this car skids by him, and he fires a couple rounds into the windshield, and we see the blood explode off of the guy, and then he doesn't take that guy's car. That was just to do it. <laughs> yeah. <he's... laughs> like, I thought he was going to shoot him and take his car or something. Nope. Nope. No, he's just like, no, just let simple, me get a couple you know? more kills in while I'm at it. Uh, Why not? Which, which really, like, limits the whole, like, selective serial killer vibe yes! that this guy is trying to build when he just randomly kills people as he's fleeing down the street. Yeah, it's not, he's not, right. you know, killing somebody who's getting in his way or something, sure. But, yeah, the whole, the whole, I was going to say the appeal, but the whole dramatically interesting thing about serial killers is they have an M.O. They don't deviate. They can only kill in certain situations. You can mm -hmm. you can play with that, right? Like, there's a lot of movies that do that where it's like, wait, you won't kill me because we're not in the right circumstance, and they can't because of their psychology, you know? That kind of criminal well, mind it, stuff. It, it builds the mystique. It's why the serial killer is an attractive bad guy in stories yeah. because they play by a certain set of rules and understanding those rules are the keys to beating them. So it becomes its own little like personal mystery. And right. that's just like the, vampires. Just like vampires. I mean, kind of. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a little uh, bit. But, but, but also the thing is you can then have your hero figuring that out and then outthinking right. the villain this movie, mm -hmm. nobody ever Still outthinks anyone in this movie by any stretch of the imagination. There's, there's no. There, there's just, uh, there's basically magic knowing what's about to happen. The, the torch has that pretty clever printer bomb, <laughs> which is also right out of every serial killer movie you've ever seen. Uh -huh. <laughs> like the second they went, well, we'll talk, but the second they went into his apartment, I'm like, this is this apartment's gonna blow up somehow. Yeah, every time he hit uh, the space bar, I'm just like, yeah. how, how is he not thinking that this is also, going to explode? I you don't gotta understand. Look. Yeah, also, Michael Rooker, very bad detective in this, right? Very yes. bad cop. Oh, yeah. Yes, <laughs> Absolutely definitely. horrible cop here. Because, yeah, um, this, this turns into a foot chase then. After This chase is so long. After Rooker hands off... Yeah, this is like the first 20 minutes of the movie, it feels like. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. After Rooker hands off the baby, he's now in pursuit 
of the torch. And uh, uh, let's see. It was uh, actually 23 minutes. I was cooking a pizza at the time, so I know the exact uh, (laughs) time that it took. There you go. Oh, uh, the the torch got away and my pizza's ready. Um, (laughs) I remember I took that out of the oven right as the F or the shadowy government organization was taking him to the cloning lab. Uh, yeah, so this ends up, they end up in a parking garage, and Rooker's looking around. He doesn't know that the torch has gotten in one of the cars, and this gives us our first, not a ton of one-liners in this movie, but a few. And this is mm-hmm. it where the he puts the car in drive, and he's, dri- he's about to drive at Rooker, and the torch says, Be afraid, Jake. Be very afraid. <laughs> you know... Serial killer shit, right? Like that's yeah. that that's that stock thing we're no talking. One. About. Yeah, that's that thing we're talking about where he's like, "I'm being creepy just to myself." Uh. <laughs> <laughs> and so he, he, of course, he drives right at Brooker, uh, who dives out of the way. And then I do he, like he climbs he climbs onto like yes. a, like a gate or a fence. yes, that's and what this is. Van Dam drives a car through through the gate so is michael rooker cg in that shot he might have been that might have been a if, digital double when yeah was, I was when the, if it's a stunt double or a digital one because it because it because the car hits the bottom of this chain link gate as you're saying and so then rooker's mm-hmm. at the top of it and now the thing has come down on top of the car and is being driven forward yeah and just the way his body sort of flips it's very weightless which gave me the impression i think it's, that it's i think it might be an early uh, 2001 digital double maybe yeah, I thought it yeah. was a dummy. Personally, maybe it's a dummy. Oh, it could be a dummy. That's it, true. It's not. It's Cause not he, a cause human. Because he rolls over the car as Van Dam is driving it underneath him, and he mm-hmm. flops in such like a arms and legs going in every direction. That's yeah. like there are no bones making sure those don't go in improper directions. <laughs> yeah, two yeah, like thousand one. It might be a dummy over a digital double at this point. Uh, I, I do think that the shoe that pops off in the next sort of uh, bit. Uh, I think that's CG because he like backs up again to run over Michael Rooker, who's yes. like laying on the ground. Uh, he starts and then shooting it, into the trunk his... of this car. Yeah, but it just hits his foot, I mm-hmm. guess. And like the the CG shoe flies at the camera. It, it was very strange. <laughs> the CG shoe flies at the camera, and then it cuts to shoeless Michael Rooker rubbing his foot. Like, damn, that hurts. That was oh, close. God. My foot. Uh, here's a question I have for the two of you Yeah, is this next sequence we see Michael Rooker has his leg bandaged up his arm bandaged up he has just been run over twice by a car in one instance he flew over the top of it in the next instance it looks like it just kind of ran over his leg a little bit so it popped his shoe off yeah yeah but either way he's hurt pretty bad yeah he can still limp around Mm -hmm. but he's still messed up yeah how long of a period of time does this movie take place over? Well, what a great there's a that's a great question because where it becomes confusing is once he goes to the cloning facility. How long Which is he is... at that cloning facility? I yeah. got the impression there's like a year difference, it, it, right? Or maybe... I mean, it could be, man. That's the thing. It could be a year. It could be three days. I don't know. Yeah. Okay. I mean, that that I think me, then. I think that no, creates the big question you. mark in the center of it is he goes to the cloning facility at some time enough time that they talk about he needs to establish a relationship with the replicant. Hmm. But there's also the whole sequence where he's opening up a boat repair shop and having oh. a big party about yeah. it. Yeah, 
That's also God, this because, party was so well because this is this is Michael Rooker at his most awkwardly cast moment because like him just enjoying a party does not does not well because so I, after we see he's injured they're going he's going like damn I didn't catch him and they're like well you're officially retired now so it doesn't matter <laughs> which I think is hilarious just the idea about like and right now you're retired. Well, apparently, like, this whole chase sequence was on his last day of the Force. Yeah, which is also very Seven, right? Because for those who don't know, Seven is not only about the seven deadly sins, it's about the last seven days that Morgan Freeman is on the police force, is the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Which is classic, right? Damn, on my last week, I get get the worst serial killer the country has ever seen. Um, But, uh, yeah, and so so they go, well, it doesn't matter now, you're retired. And we meet a character I thought would be more important, which is the police captain. Uh, Gergoni, did you recognize Paul McGillian from uh, Star Trek Atlantis? Uh, Yeah, yeah, absolutely I did. He played Um, Dr. Beckett on on Stargate Atlantis, which I was mm -hmm, an avid mm -hmm. viewer of, and I think you were as well. Absolutely. Yeah, when I saw him, I was just like, oh, yeah. Oh, and that he's, guy. He's, he's appeared in some other stuff. Uh, Star Trek, uh, the 09 Star Trek he's in, and Tomorrowland, and The Flash, and I mean, a, a fair amount of genre stuff. A working character actor. Yeah. But he shows up, and this guy, his uh, in classic movie fashion, this captain, his whole character is that he fucking hates Michael Rooker. Well, it's more that, like, Michael Rooker needs to stop. I mean, it's a classic thing, right? The retired cop needs to stop being a cop. Yeah. But here he he makes sure to show up to this, right? To go like, yeah, turn in your badge and gun. You are done. <laughs> As if I don't I don't to be fair, I mean, I don't I don't know how putting in retirement at a at the police work, but is it really this like as of 20 minutes ago, you are done. My guess well, is that the paperwork was already written up uh, and ready to go. He wanted to fire or <laughs> or retire Michael yeah. Rooker. This is forced so retirement, is, yeah. Yeah. Well, and the, the implied thing that we get over the course of the movie is that Rooker has devoted three years of his life to trying to catch this serial killer. Yeah. And it's maybe like he's gone too far in some instances. Oh, oh, really? And that never happens on these movies. Um, yeah, exactly. But also that this retirement is sort of a, you've gone too deep. You yeah. need to just be done with this and we can't trust you to like work other cases. So you're being yeah. expunged from the force entirely. Yeah. Which, which, yeah. yeah. Which makes more sense then is sort of just like, we, we, we need this guy out of here because it is weird that even if you were were retiring if you were actively in the middle of the pursuit of a serial killer it feels like they would maybe push that off because there's imminent danger and you're the but it's yeah it does seem like maybe he's doing more harm than good at this point i would have liked a little bit more with the police stuff well because the wild part is they even have the press asking him as he's like packing up and leaving yeah. oh has the torch called you again implying that it happened before so yeah, this right. is the detective who has a personal relationship yeah, that's, with the killer <laughs> that's where it seems odd like he's still if he's still calling him you know maybe you want to keep the guy around in some capacity <laughs> yeah you think well it is revealed that they're tapping his phone lines. that's so right that's right yeah part of you know, I mean, but also knows. in classic 
action shelf movie fashion no cop ever has any other insight no other cop is remotely competent nope. to catch this nope. thing it's all rooker who breaks every part of the case thanks yes. to his telepathic replicant but we'll get there because uh, mm-hmm. yeah as he's like bandaged up and leaving the scene uh his captain's like oh by the way the feds are here they want to question you oh my god and the feds are like hey we can help you catch this serial killer and then he's like no thanks yep. cut to black <laughs> I, that was the best. <laughs> How is that part of a movie? <laughs> yeah, we so we have, abrupt. We want you to come work for us. We can help you catch him. Yeah, I'm not interested. <laughs> hey, and then it just cuts. The plot of the movie just arrived. Would you like to be a part of it? Absolutely Wait. not. By the way, Listman, this thing does commit. It comes. It, it hit. It hits right on the line of committing a key action shelf sin this movie is a hundred minutes even yeah, which is exactly just, our line of being too long for an action shelf it, movie. it could and it, it didn't feel it dragged too long. it dragged in a couple places i felt like it could, yeah i think yeah. this thing could have lost five to ten minutes and been better it Definitely, wouldn't have fixed yeah. some of the key problems but but those weren't going to be fixed anyway. No, so, no, no. There's, know, there's, well there's some, a bunch of there's so some inherent watch. issues. And in no, but I think you're right. Is if if you chop ten minutes out of it, I would have had less time to think about how ridiculous the plot of this movie is. Uh, <laughs> yeah, like because uh, it, it's interesting for an action shelf movie how little action is in this thing. Yeah, yeah. I'd say the mo- uh, Pound of Flesh was similar in that way. Yeah. Like, there's a good amount of action, but we're, a lot more than you'd expect we're in, in this movie. We're in that like, modern, and I think this movie is, yeah. is it too, and I was talking about this on Pound of Flesh, and I think we've seen that with everything in the 2000s forward with Van Damme, mm-hmm. which is Van Damme is trying to act. He goes, yes, yeah. I'll do some fighting in these movies, but I want some real meaty roles. Yeah. Oh boy. And yeah. you see it here. It's really misguided here. But mm-hmm. you can tell that Van Damme is like, I'm crafting a character. I'm crafting two characters. You know. Robert yeah. Downey Jr. and Tropic Thunder might have something to say <laughs> about this performance. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um so uh-huh. yeah. So uh let's see. <laughs> Uh, oh, Rooker does go on TV because we see the torch watching him where he goes like, uh, uh, is there anything you want to say to the torch? It's like, yeah, I just want to say he's a mama's boy who keeps wetting his pants. And and the torch is like, oh, no. Oh, he got me where it hurts. <laughs> and this this sets into motion some stuff where the whole thing in the movie is they don't know who the torch is, right? They don't know what he... They don't really, other than I guess Rooker kind of knows what he looks like. Um, vaguely, yeah. Vaguely knows. I, I think that I think he sees him for the first time in the, At, in this. Yes, first I think that scene. that's what it is. But yeah. but yet he's got. Is he just saying this and happens to be hitting on his exact psychological issues, or does Rooker actually know he's got mother issues? I think I, it's completely happenstance. Because I, I don't know. Like, do they know he's targeting mothers? He perceives. As bad? Well, I mean, I guess the, that could be, yeah. 
the the interesting take and what another better serial killer movie would do was okay michael rooker is a psych profiler and he's like built up a a, a profile on the yeah. torch and everything he's done so he can derive certain facts and maybe this is a, a targeted message based I, on certain assumptions i he's did making. have that thought which that would is, be interesting which is he should be an fbi profiler right in this movie because mm -hmm. at a certain point especially if this guy's been on this insane uh, string of killings for years, this case would go federal pretty quick, right? <laughs> would have gone federal a long time ago, yeah. What's even more insane is that I believe they say he's killed like two dozen people over the course of three years, yeah. all within the greater Seattle area. Yeah. Like, there's such a contained yeah. space. <laughs> he would have been caught, man. They just... You don't, yeah. you don't see serial killers with those kind of numbers, especially this kind of high-profile murders in this consolidated an area. Yeah, you, he's not really what you'd call a subtle serial no. killer. Uh, he, while he's making his escape, he just shoots people. Like, yeah. He's, he doesn't keep a low profile. <laughs> yeah, well, once he's gunning down people... Well, the thing I don't understand is, like, Rickard chases him into that parking garage and he drives off. There's yeah. no mention of an APB out on the car. There's no, no. one was they set up no kind of perimeter. Uh, air support doesn't exist. Uh, Nobody even bothered to look at a license plate no, or anything. Like it's just, like, there's just he's gone. You think what, what the, the entire city would go on lockdown at a certain point, right? Like yeah, you'd think. John, that, yeah. why would there be air support? They could only afford to rent a helicopter for one day. <laughs> But it is just like, well, he drove out of that parking garage I was chasing him in. He's gone. Yeah. <laughs> My favorite part is what I like to call TV Hulk syndrome with the serial killer. Mm. Every time he hears sirens, yes. he suddenly has to flee. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah, classic. That is. How little time it would take to pull a trigger and kill somebody. Cheese it. It's the fuzz. Uh <laughs> Uh yeah, there's there's an amazing one later in the movie that really is incredibly stupid with that same sort of thing. So anyway, uh, mm -hmm. now we go to Ricker's party where uh, listen, you were saying this is a key example of where he's miscast. Yeah, because just like him, like dancing with like a bunch of like drunk people and like wearing like a uh, like a yellow button up like oversized '90s shirt and yeah. I don't know. I was just like, I don't. This is uncomfortable for me to watch. I don't, in I movies don't... like this, Rooker tends to play the serial killer. Or right. Rooker's usually either the serial killer or he's the angry captain. Right. Like right, exactly. he's not generally the renegade detective, which I'm sure he was I'm sure Rooker was fucking thrilled to get offered this part because he doesn't get the chance to do stuff like this. But yeah. this movie also proves maybe he shouldn't. You know, this is this is a uh this is like Matthew McConaughey. I mean, he would. This is too small a movie for him. But I'm saying, like, in a studio version of this movie, this is McConaughey as a cop chasing a killer. This is Tom Cruise. This is Keanu or Denzel or something. You know. Mm -hmm. And these are because the and these guys could soften this role. Right. Yeah. Whereas yeah. Rooker <laughs> leans into the absolute most abrasive aspects of this character. So when he gets this phone call from the serial killer at yeah. the party and we see him get tossed into a blind rage, yeah. like the the part that I believe is the blind rage, yeah. not the yes. him having a good time at a party. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, good. He's yelling at someone on the phone. Now we're back in Rooker territory. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> uh, he goes, oh, you shouldn't have said that about me on the news. That wasn't uh, that wasn't nice. 
Well, uh, and it's this whole thing of the serial killer has now become fixated on the person who is hunting him. Like, back, Michael Rooker is the Clarice of this movie, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, and, and we're yeah, back yeah. into the rote serial killer stuff of all these movies, right? Yeah. Yeah, it is sort of like... I'm not going to read it, by the way. One of the But but one of the reviews when I was searching through IMDb reviews was a positive review of this movie. It just said, Silence of the Lambs, move over. And I went, I don't even need oh. to read the rest of that because what the fuck boy. are you talking about? <laughs> oh, boy. Maybe the best serial killer movie ever made? And they're like, no way, replicant, man. <laughs> yeah. I don't think Jodie Foster kicked enough people in Silence of the Lambs. So, uh... Uh, so being called this party is yeah. what makes uh michael rooker finally turn back to the feds and go okay what's your deal uh, he does hit him with a one-liner here on the phone though where rooker says mommy must be proud of her little psycho <laughs> <laughs> always with the mommy shit but once again, yes, you're right, Gurgoni. There needed to be an established... Because he's saying all that. We won't discover how right he is to be hitting him with these things until much later in the film. Um, yeah, it just feels like it, he's just trying to be abrasive. And it just happens to be striking a chord. Yeah, and when you talk about he's suddenly with the feds, it literally cuts from this to he's in a helicopter to the secret military installation where they're making clones. <laughs> You, you talk about how this movie could have benefited from having 10 minutes cut out. I think there's a two and a half hour version of this film that we're not seeing. <laughs> well, I, here's the thing, because all the, all the serial killer stuff is so rote, but then all the sci-fi cloning shit is just so tossed off. That you're like, wait, 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 what? Because <laughs> it's the, the tagline for the movie that we read on the show last week was the future's most ruthless killer. This doesn't look like it's in the future at all, though. No. No. It looks like it's 2001. Actually, yeah. it kind of looks like it's early 90s. Uh, it, does, it still feels... Well, It the other the other movie I was thinking of, especially watching this, uh, this sequence here with The Secret, is Face Off, right? Because in that, yes. it's a similar thing yeah. where the, the, this FBI agent is like, wait, what, we, what you don't know is we have this experimental technology. Where it's not the future, it's the real world, but in the shadows there's this black ops organization. But that movie, number one, that movie, that conceit weirdly makes more sense or is an easier buy that there's this experimental surgery than mm -hmm. we made a clone. And two, it actually like thematically does stuff. And I mean, we love Face Off on this show, so there's no... Uh, but I was just thinking about like that's the similar thing here, right? Where... Except that was cooler because instead of, uh, in order to catch him, they have to create him, which was the title uh, tagline of this. That tagline was, in order to catch him, he must become him. Which, once again, like that thing I saw in The Sixth Day, is just inherently more gripping a premise, right? I must become also gives, my own worst enemy. Uh, it, it also gives the actors involved a, a fun sort of exercise. And I'm going to play Nick Cage yes. playing john travolta that was the whole appeal of that and those guys spent weeks together studying each other and like and it's yeah. that movie is a lot of fun this movie this movie i wish this movie was more fun this movie is so serious for such a silly premise that's another thing i kept thinking while watching it do you guys have the same reaction where it's like man this movie i don't know they needed to back off a little of the serial killer stuff or something well, I mean, you you even brought up like Van Dam really trying for some for some drama in this yeah. era of his career. Yeah. I think that's what it is, yeah. you know, like him really really trying to sell 
oh, being a dramatic leading actor. You you know he only agreed to do this film because of all of the replicant acting he was asked to do in this and how yeah. that might even be considered a legitimate, like, oh, uh, what whatchamacallit, like a prestige role, right, yeah. of playing this uh, person, uh, a mentally handicapped person who is, like... Uh, a child essentially learning how to be try being forced to learn to be a serial killer. There's a lot going on in this movie that we haven't even scratched the surface of yet. No, there, yeah. there. I mean, it, it does seem like he would have wanted this promoted as Jean Claude Van Damme in his most challenging role to date. Right, like it is sort of just like watch the tour de force that is Van Damme in this movie. He will play a vicious serial killer. He will play a mentally. I mean. I don't even know how to describe They talk about he's mentally undeveloped as a clone because they have to pull him out. Let's get into the... So we're at the cloning facility now, right? I I love how unceremoniously they introduce the human pod that's just in front of all of these desks and, like, <laughs> it's, computers. It's like, the it's whole just to, so banal it's how the, it's introduced. It's the whole movie's approach to science fiction. Nothing yeah. is played as, wow, they go into, like, we're making this clone and Ricker's like, cool, man, whatever. <laughs> I have a, a serious question about the design elements involved in this film yeah. because as stark and businesslike as this secret government facility is presented, yeah. in one room we have this fucking H.R. Geiger ass yeah. human egg sack yeah. suspended yeah. in the middle of For, the room. There's a Cronenberg can drop in this. Yeah, all of a sudden, all yeah. of a sudden we're in the fucking fly it, when we look at this thing, you know, like you're like, wait a minute, what? <laughs> and and nobody's strange. that, nobody's that non. Everybody's just like, there you go, cloning pod. And Rickard's like, yeah, cool. Yeah, there's a main right. government guy, uh, Agent Reisman, Stan Reisman, oh, played by uh, Ethan Robinson in this movie. Completely forgettable as government agent number three. I mean, he's almost yeah. too good at being a generic government suit that I that he makes no impression. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, he yeah, was also exactly. on Stargate uh, SG One, though. Oh, as a security officer. <laughs> well, but then he also played a character named Frank Mitchell in two episodes. So I don't know. Oh, well, good for him. And he was bodyguard uh, on Psych. Seems like, and he Ooh. was pilot on Smallville. Seems like he's got a lot okay. of characters that don't have names. Do you know why? Because he's like why he's kind of right for this movie. He just has a generic look of like an authority guy. Yeah. He can fill a suit and wear a tie. Yeah, and he's got a strong chin, and he looks like he could fight somebody. He won't fight somebody, but he looks like he could. Not in this movie. Yeah. But, but he's the guy who's giving us all of our exposition in this moment of, okay, so a year ago when you found that trace hair of uh, the killer at this scene, yeah. we cloned him. Oh, no, no, no. No, no. They made a replicant, Gurgani. This is where it gets very clear about Okay. Okay, so let's let's get in. We've we've got the the beginning of the movie out of the way. Yeah, let's get into what this yeah. means. Yeah, replicant clone. What is the difference? That's what do we the, think that because that's here the big is? thing here. Because because Ricker goes, "You made a clone." They're like, "No, no, we made a replicant." Now there are prior to this movie, the word replicant is almost exclusively I, I associate it with Blade Runner, of course. Blade right? Runner, yeah. But those yeah. are robot replicas hence replicants 
of humans. They're not of specific right. humans, but they are, but they are robotic representations of humans, right? Uh, yes. So that's what I think of when I hear the word replicant. Of course, is Blade Runner. Now mm. here, I, I, this seems like a clone, straight up and down to me. Yeah, I, I don't fully understand the difference. Well, yes, but also no. Okay. So, if we're playing in sci-fi gobbledygook land, like yeah. we we yeah. do, yeah. Like we do. The, the the term clone is usually bandied about as just a an exact duplicate of something, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Implying, and most of the times when we're dealing with clones, they are total blank slates. Just be, you have a clone of somebody doesn't mm-hmm. mean that they have the same mind or memories as ah, that other person. This is true. Generally. If that's, like, if we mentioned a better clone movie, The Sixth Day, Mm -hmm. that is something that has to be programmed into those clones. Mm -hmm. Now, that is not the case with a replicant. Apparently, this movie is playing with some ideas of genetic memory, which is a concept that's been around in sci-fi for a while. They played around a lot with it in uh, Frank Herbert's Dune series with the whole, like, uh, cloning of certain characters in that series. Uh, Yes, that's a thing that happens in Dune. I know most of you have only seen the movie. Either way, moving on. Mm -hmm. Um, But... Yeah, it won't even... I don't even think that would come up in the next movie. It it won't. In the following movie. uh, Yeah. If that... If that happens, uh, let's just put it this way. Uh, Jason Momoa has work for as long as he wants. Mm -hmm. Um, (laughs) As he should. As he should. should. So I think the the differentiation we have here with this replicant is A, that it is a clone of the person that can, through shock exposure, basically is what we're given to believe, remember stuff from the person they're a clone of, which right. is absolute. Like the, the whole concept of replicant in this movie is actually exactly the concept of genetic memory clones that they use in the later Dune novels, mm. which kind of took me by surprise because I, I wasn't super aware of any other franchises that use that. It's like they read the later Dune novels and were like, Oh yeah, that's a cool idea. Let's just put Van Damme in it. <laughs> because what if, but what if even it was a serial killer go, going girl? so far as to have like shocking sexual experiences is like a thing in the Dune novels, and that's a thing that happens here in a very weird and awkward way. Yeah. Oh God, we'll talk about that scene. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, but there's also on top of that, we yeah. also have this whole psychic rapport okay. that the replicants have with their. Their original donors, that, I guess, might be the, the term. That that yeah. that was the part that got me the most because they're talking about, uh, well, his telepathic abilities are ten times whatever you know their level, right. whatever. And you're like, well, as soon as they dropped the word telepathic, I went, okay, I don't know where this movie's going then. Uh, telepathic. Until that point, I was willing to buy in. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, I, it's I a clone aside, because you you are going. Well, cause, I yeah. mean, and that's what I—it's what I thought it was going to be, right? They're going to—I cl- mean, I did think, what the hell does this have to do with anything? Like, how is this going to help them? Just cloning the guy seems insane. Well, I, this would this would really work well with the concept of Rooker being a, like some sort of like federal, uh, like profiler, you know, uh, profiler. Yeah, yeah, thank you. 
if if the genetic memory is imprinted on this replicant, uh, then he could at least talk with this uh, person yeah. and try and figure out who this guy is, and then through that information, then try and figure out what he's. And that do that certainly would be more in the thriller. A little bit more uh, cerebral kind of movie, what you're talking about there, which I think yes. would be a better movie. It would be still the well, science yeah. fiction aspect of it, but yeah, if the idea is I need to psychologically profile this guy and I can't get to him, obviously, because he's this killer we're trying to catch, so we make another copy so I can psychoanalyze that guy. That's kind of interesting. Uh, Could be, yeah. Here. Well, one of the key, I think one of the key problems is the portrayal of the replicant, and I mean both Van Damme's and the scripts, is because yes. uh, they the thing is here that oh I also like they say you talk about the branding of it, Lisman, because this whole thing about like we call it replicants. Uh, I also wrote down he goes wow I can't believe, I didn't know the FBI had this technology, and he goes oh we're not the FBI, we're the National Security Force. Now that's we talk about pre nine eleven stuff there. Yeah. Not National Security Agency, which we do have now. This was the National Security Force, the NSF, ladies and gentlemen. This was pre Department of Homeland Security. Yeah. Which was what this department would be in about yeah. six months. Because that's what they said is that they're primarily using this to catch terrorists. They're almost. This is the most insane part of this film. Yeah. It's a throw line, but it's the most insane thing that I kept going we back to. We created this, this technology to stop terrorism. And how how does this stop terrorism? Well, I I, I mean, okay. My my thinking is in the same way that they use it to stop the serial killer, right? If they have this telepathic link, they can know uh -huh. where the terrorist is about to attack, right? Isn't that the idea? <laughs> yeah, I, I suppose. Or yeah. to use them as like bloodhounds essentially to track the the individual down because there's this whole thing where the replicant is drawn to yeah. his original yeah i would well, like uh a, an idea of like a whole agency that has been doing this for decades and so like once a replicant has been created of you like you're just like a fugitive constantly on the run because they can always I mean, find you I mean you know? you've pitched two much better movies with this with I this sci-fi can see No it really I mean that's the thing I thought about is this movie is both a lame serial killer thriller and a lame sci-fi movie like that's the thing was yes. I wish it was more of a science fiction movie because yes. yeah I I I think it would be more interesting to see a world where replicants are kind of already this is regularly done. Not that this is a, we're going to try. Cause basically it seems like they're kind of taking this Rooker serial killer case as a test run of this technology a little bit. Seems yeah. a little strange, but yeah. And so they're going like, well, what we really care about is catching terrorists, but just to try it out, we're going to go ahead and help you catch this serial killer. Mm -hmm. I mean, it is stated that this is like, <laughs> I mean, it's not stated so much as all the facts point to this is the worst serial killer to ever exist. If he's a killed this many people in this little amount yeah. of time and B done it all within like uh, 20 square miles. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No oh, one's been able to stop him. I mean, the, the thing that this movie doesn't show that has that is no one would be coming to Seattle. Everyone would be right. like, that place is a nightmare. Uh, they have a monster who is just stalking the streets. Uh, he also never hides his face. So, like, they would have been know. able to find him a long time ago. He yeah, successfully has completed all these. There's no 
victims, uh, almost victims who got away and can, you know, there's not, no. it's just, he's, this guy, <laughs> he is the most efficient and prolific serial killer in American history. Um, yes. Cause even when you think about like the, when you hear about like the, the, the big time serial killers, they don't put up numbers like this or certainly not in these isolated locations with crimes that, you know, the guys who get away with it are the people who are killing hookers across the country for decades right. and no one yeah. can even link them together here. This right. guy would be so easy to find law enforcement would have nabbed him after just a few killings. Well, and here's the thing, right? Is the whole explanation we get for why this is happening is thrown away in two sentences. It's we're developing this technology to fight terrorism yeah. and terrorists and serial killers have a similar, similar psychological profile. Ooh, and that, what? yeah, that, that second part <laughs> yeah. is just not true. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I like almost inherently not true. <laughs> Let us pull back a second though, and realize that we're talking from a right. post nine 11 point yeah. of view in which the psychology yeah. of terrorism is more understood and well-documented and what we consider terrorism has so fundamentally shifted yeah. in that yeah. time that yeah. we don't have the perspective of what the people making this film might have thought about it it's as true. The, because I'm... anyone who talks about terrorism back then is yeah. just talking about people who commit big acts of murder right is yes. like the simplified version well and it's, i mean it's the whole thing once again you look at 90s action movies which have so many terrorist villains and you're going like well that no one like that has ever existed like the terrorists yeah. in 90s action movies don't correlate to reality at all these guys who are like professional terrorists for hire you know yeah. uh just international villains you know, mm -hmm. you're going, they're very cartoon mm -hmm. images of this. So that is true. That is true. But it, that's still like when they said that, you're like, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Terrorist, serial killer. It's all the same shit. Whatever. Yeah, uh, right. So, they ha so the idea being that if this works yeah. and they can track down the serial killer, then somebody in the government will green light them cloning a bunch of terrorists. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's Fingers the implication. Yeah. <laughs> and the guy also drops a line saying that the replicant is the only way you will ever catch this killer. No other way. No other kind of police work. This is it, man. This is the Nothing last chance works, you have though. to ever get this guy. Given the quality of police work we see in this film, yeah. he's not wrong. <laughs> another enough. thing, though, the movie never does a good job is putting a ticking clock on it, which is really important for a thriller. Like, he needed mm. to... You needed to have him have somebody captured and say he's going to kill her in 12 hours or something. I don't I mean, even something. No, it's way easier than that. It's just the replicant has an expiration date. He's going to die in seven days. There you go. Something like that. There you go. Perfect. See, now you're talking. But something to make it, because that's when you're talking about the time constraints on the movie or the timeline of the movie is so nebulous because it never feels like we've got to do this now, which is so important for thriller structure. Uh, there's yeah. never there's never anything like that. It's all just like, gee, I hope this guy doesn't kill again. Which I was is just not... about to say that's the closest they get is yeah. he might do it again. But so that's that, once again that's nebulous, right? That's not yeah. there's nothing uh, visceral about that. It's more just like yeah, it'd be great if he didn't kill people anymore. Uh, so right. they have to pull the clone out of the pod early, which is what the explanation for this mental problem it has is. Uh, okay. There's a problem with it, and the best funny. part of this, though, is as the clone is being tossed out of the the little clone egg, 
We also mm-hmm. cut to Van Damme, the serial killer, like grabbing his head and being like, "Oh, I sense something's that, wrong." That's where the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that's that's where the movie fall. Like this movie didn't make any sense before this part. But this is where yeah. it really falls apart. I think. Yeah. Um, well, it starts leaning into X Men territory. Yes, that exactly. Point, right? Yeah, yeah this exactly. Psychic connection between these two, and it reminds me. I mean, it's a it's a deeper pull, but the whole concept of the hounds from the X Men sure, yeah. of these like uh, enslaved mutants in a dystopian future who are uh, encoded to hunt other mutants, kind of, yeah, of a yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. That does sound very similar. It it well look uh, like. A, We've come across this a few times. There's a, lo- a lot of sci-fi starting in the 90s is really just rejiggered X-Men stories. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Claremont did it first, this man. Uh, yeah. Claremont might be a better writer than Lawrence Riggins and Les Wilden. Yeah. Just throwing that out there. Well, I mean, it, it kind of is true. I mean, Claremont is such a good... I mean, people talk about him as an X-Men writer, but really, when you boil it down even broader, Claremont's just a fucking great sci-fi writer uh, and had yeah. so many great concepts across his X-Men books that have been borrowed forever. And obviously, he's certainly borrowing from the greats of science fiction as well. But um, the this this did whole you guys, did yeah. you guys think that any of the fights between the two Van Dams would have been more interesting if them connecting also hurt themselves? Yes. Like why? Why wasn't mm-hmm. that? In fact, a, a I end? thought there's a line later when he goes, "You can't kill me because you'd be killing yourself." And I thought right. that should literally be the that case, be right? Does it? Because that would yeah. create tension for Rooker. Where if I kill this killer, then I'm killing this replicant who I've come to care for. Yeah. That would have actually been dramatically interesting. Yeah, I agree. Well, and if the, the we one... had that moment earlier when he has the glass in his hand, yeah. and we see the replicant also bleeding from his hand. Yes. Like there could have been a lot of. Cool I mean, if cool stuff it, that. once you get yeah. into the tel- they're telepathically connected. None of this is too silly at that point. Like, that's not too far, no. then. I mean, because the thing is... Let's you, the, explore the ramifications of this, yes, you know? The science fiction extrapolation of if we have his DNA, we can clone him. You're going, okay, that's a sci-fi thing. Also, they're telepathically connected. You're like, now it's magic, basically, at that point. Yeah, like, <laughs> Kind of. It's, it's dealing with a philosophical school that is really i mean it's based a lot in like early uh like 20th century mysticism stuff yeah uh that was spawned out of a lot of orientalism yeah. of the west who like were, were taking ideas from eastern philosophy and uh religion and like saying i'm a white guy i know better is a lot of it but sure. <laughs> there's this uh term that is spawned out of that uh called called the akashic record i don't know if either of you are familiar with this concept no, no. so it's this idea that's why we bring all, yeah all events and thoughts and emotions and everything exists imprinted on all of reality so having some way of accessing that you open your mind in such a way that you can basically know everything if you have a way of accessing kind of the the genetic memory of the universe kind of idea um it's a very weird concept and a lot of fantasy and sci-fi actually use this concept in broader terms um but it's this thought process that this movie uses in such clumsy way of well if we clone a guy 
then he's the same guy as the other guy, right. which means he should have all the memories and emotions of that other guy. And because they... It's it's like creating another sci-fi thing that's used quite a bit is this idea of quantum entanglement. Yes. And right. again, there's a much cooler movie in which, like, okay, we've quantumly entangled this clone yeah. with this other g dude, and so they are moving in unison and have thoughts and emotions that they share. Now, see, the, once again, now Gurgoni's created the third more interesting <laughs> version of this. Like, because the, 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 the elevator pitch for this movie, you're like, oh, I'd watch that. That sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, exactly. But this movie, in classic action shell fashion, right, Lisman, like, just chooses to do nothing with it, almost. And also, yeah. I think, I, to me, though, the cardinal sin is what happens here, which is this idea that this is somehow a uh, mentally, I don't even know what the word to say is like, it's, it's, uh, I mean, they throw around a word that, that I won't use, because I don't think it's, uh, number one, I don't think it's proper to use it and i don't think it really applies to this clone situation but he is no. mentally slower than than they should be he's he not is... fully developed right yeah he's he's, yeah. he's his brain is underdeveloped because they have to pull him out early and i think yeah. this just kills the movie in my opinion yeah well, because it creates this dynamic going forward in which Van Damme, as the replicant, is playing a version of himself who has a lot of the same physical characteristics as the other character, mm -hmm. but is a child in terms of his uh, mental acumen and how he perceives the world. Mm -hmm. And by child, I mean, like, toddler or yeah. younger. Yeah. You think that that was an intent, like, Perhaps he was supposed to reflect the version of the torch uh, before this traumatic event happened with his mother. Is that kind of what I, they're I mean, going I, for? That, that, that could be the case. And, and once again, though, I think you could still do that. I think you could still have him be a blank slate to a certain extent or yeah. childlike. But they really take him back here. He's yeah. essentially nonverbal. Um, yeah. and, and like, you're just going like, man, honestly, it makes it hard to watch some scenes because yeah. of how, uh, uh, you know, uh, behind he is mentally and seeing, yeah. you know, 40 year old Van Damme playing this. And even the way they have him dressed in the sweatpants and the tennis shoes. The and yeah, yeah. And you're just going like. Man, everything here is visually, it's like Van Damme is going, this is my Rain Man. It, it's, it, he might as well have been wearing a hat with a propeller on the top. A hundred percent, man. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> he totally should have been. It is that. Um, yeah. But, but, it, it, but it, it's so weird because it's also ill-defined because it's the sci-fi yeah. concept. So he is, he is playing into this caricature of a mentally handicapped person because he's not really playing any real psychological disorder or something. Yeah, because there's not really anything else to latch on to without it's, like a really clear vision. Because it's not—it's not, it's not Dustin Hoffman and Rain Man playing an autistic guy, having studied autistic people, having you know, you know what right. I mean? Like you can latch on to. You can't research this because it's just—it's a bunch of gleep glop shit anyway. Yeah. Well, he's playing somebody who has had their development absolutely stunted mm -hmm. to such an effect that he is effectively 
like you've seen articles about like feral children, right? Who are just left yes. on their own, basically. Mm -hmm. And terrible, horrible stuff that's happened to kids. And obviously they're playing on that here, but seeing Van Damme play this childlike but also animalistic kind of quality to him where he's yeah. eating food with his hands and like curled up and like crouching on a table yeah. and like leaping around like he on all four sometimes and like shuffling forward as though he is uh, being forced to, to walk in a specific way. Yeah. It's he's being very... talked to like he's a dog on a leash, you know? Yeah. Oh, I mean, I mean, we talked about Michael Rooker being an abusive father. The fact that he basically is treated like a dog the whole movie uh yeah it, it, it gave me heavy uh, uh what's that movie uh unleashed uh Ooh. from 2005 with jillian mm. hoskins which is a way yes. way better movie that actually talks about psychological trauma and literally yeah. turning someone into an animal well, that's a good movie i like unleashed a lot i haven't seen that in a while yeah, yeah I, I thought that was very go good but that was, yeah. I mean, that once oh, yeah, again, Morgan Freeman's in that movie. Yeah, because yeah, he's the kind guy who takes him in and and brings his humanity back. Um, mm -hmm. So that's a solid movie that actually has some. That's an action movie that actually deals with some of this stuff legitimately, mm -hmm. and also doesn't have any of this cloning shit. Because oh, John, uh, are you saying Louis Leterrier and Luc Besson are good filmmakers slash writers? I 100 percent think that. I'm a fan of both <laughs> of theirs. Um, hmm. But uh, uh, those guys make action shelf like those are like that's like the next step up. I feel like the stuff those guys make is like action shelf with quality. The transporter, yeah, yeah, the trans exactly like those are action shelf movies with real craft behind them. Um, mm. But uh, when they spit Van Dam out of the pub, which I looked, we don't really get a Van Dam bun shot in this movie. I'm surprised he's got so much goo on him here that we don't get a good look at the buns. Uh, yeah, this is just straight up Matrix right here. Straight out yeah. of the Matrix, yeah. yeah absolutely. Yeah. But when he comes out of it, uh, Rooker says, and I wrote this down as a one-liner, Welcome to my world, motherfucker. <laughs> <laughs> Once again, he's like any... instantly antagonistic towards this thing. Well, it's because... And here's I know what, I had I to know what they're trying to do, yeah. Is, well, no, it's because Michael Rooker also doesn't know what's going on here. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I took it at he, the. I think what the movie wants you to do is he is immediately going like this thing is my enemy because it looks like my enemy and it's made to have the same memories as him. So th he must be a fucking serial killer too. But it, the movie does imply that he only finds out what Van Damme looks like in the very first like sequence of the movie. So yeah. it's not like this face has haunted him for years. Although maybe it has cuz again time has been very strange and and how much time has passed yeah. since, since then. But, would rather this be a yeah. time cop sequel and he's got to go back in time to fight this killer or something. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, we do, we do know that this is like the first time he's actually seeing his face face cuz every other time he's been like dark with the black wig and the sunglasses and running around at night so this yeah. is the first time he is getting a good look at this killer's face but that's something yeah. but, but then that goes to Lisman's point of he doesn't already have an established relationship with that face specifically so for him to just be like god damn it's that monster I see 
You know, mm. it's it's more just like I mean, one oh. thing if it was the voice that did it. You know what I yeah. mean? Like he hears the voice that he's heard over the phone for that, well, presumably three years. And, and now. you're further um, getting to my problems with this character being effectively nonverbal is and also yeah. I mean, we'll talk about when he literally becomes a dog and he's sharing dog food with a dog. Uh yeah. <laughs> also, why would the clone inherit his accent? <laughs> <laughs> He's also Belgian. Question. They're both Belgian for some reason. Yeah, that's that's an interesting. Even, one. even though at some point in the movie they say he's from South Africa, which is like, okay, why not just say Belgium? Yeah, I know. I, I mean, because because Van Damme never doesn't sound like that, like in anything right. ever. He's always. Uh, I think the best is a Hard Target, where they try to pass him off as uh, a Cajun. Mm, they're like, because eh, yeah. it's kind of like that. And you're like, nah. <laughs> Yeah, there's a difference. There's, there's yeah. a clear difference. Going, but, yeah. That's where he's Chance yeah. Boudreaux in that movie. Um, uh, <laughs> by the way, stay tuned because we are definitely going to do that movie as a premium I, extra episode. I love Hard Target. Lisman and I are film. massive Hard Target fans. So, uh, <laughs> Because what happens when you put Van Damme and John Woo together, you get a cinema oh. classic is what happens. Um, magic. Movie magic happens. such a great movie. Um, but uh, uh, So when, when the replicant wakes up, there's this screen above him that is teaching him how to sit, stand, and walk. Is that what it is? This is where portal starts to happen in this. Movie. Oh, yeah. good lord, does it ever, man! This the the this whole character of this woman on this video, you can't not have those vibes with it. Well, and because this predates Portal, like yeah. it's obviously harping from like 1985 and other dystopian, like yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. video omniscience is something that definitely became a thing. Because everything, it just keeps repeating this very science fiction. Uh, THX 1138, it kind of gives me some of the mm -hmm, aesthetic mm -hmm. vibes up, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's like, sit, stand, walk. Sit, stand, walk. Like, it just keeps doing that. Uh, what if the movie started out and it was just Van Damme in a cell being instructed by this television screen and then slowly it introduces Michael Rooker's character and then and then you realize way why more he's being grown in way the more interesting and also would give us as an audience a way bigger emotional connection to the replicant because right. we would that, be that discovering things along exist. with it no yeah. no that's the that's that i think that's that's what i'm talking about with the big problem this movie cheaper is, too <laughs> i think it would be yeah. yeah uh yeah he doesn't know that he's uh that's kind of what the honestly though that's kind of what the sixth day does yeah, because no. you don't realize yeah, you're you watching a clone story until spoilers for that movie a little bit. But like, that's one of the coolest things in that movie is when you realize, wait a minute, we were watching it from the clone's perspective for the first half of the movie or whatever. Spoiler mm. for a 20 year old film. Hey man, that movie was underseen. Uh, <laughs> I think I really like that Arnold movie. That's that's sure. That's a very pure science fiction movie compared to some of his stuff. I, I think yeah. the reason that movie didn't do so well is because everyone compared it to. Uh, uh, uh total, total recall, recall. So much. yeah which yeah. is a fucking amazing movie uh and another one we've talked sure. about doing a premium episode about is total recall which is an incredible yeah. film it, it definitely I, I if i'm remembering correctly at the time a lot of people were just like oh well this feels like another total recall and the thing is it's actually and i think the other reason it hurt it in that comparison is it is it is a more tr pure sci-fi movie it's not as bonkers as total recall is it's older mm -hmm. Arnold. It's a little bit more heady and cerebral, mm -hmm. um, but I really liked it. Uh, but 
you know, yeah. Gregoni, you and I like that shit, and time and time again, the public has proven that that's not what they want necessarily. Um, I'll go on the record defending crap like the Chronicles of Riddick. So yeah, that's, I'm clearly biased. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mildly defend it, not as much as you. I think one and three are definitely better movies there in the Riddick franchise. Oh, but, I mean, I'm not denying that. Yeah, I just uh, enjoy yeah. the first Chronicles of Riddick movie yeah. better because uh, it's so wild. It is wild. It has some <laughs> great moments in it. Uh, here, okay, I did write down. Here's where they said uh, he has low brain activity. But a greatly impre uh, but greatly increased telepathy is the line they actually say in the movie. <laughs> but only sure. with with the pre existing Van Dam. Right. Yeah. Right. No. He's, yeah. He's he doesn't have general telepathy. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be that'd be mm. even that'd make a weirder movie, man. But, uh, I don't know if that's true. Actually, Ooh, well, well, the ending Van is in the apartment. Hmm. Uh, because because the other Van Dam remembers putting that bomb in there. That's what I took. Because they're still yeah. they're telepathically connected even at that moment. But, but serial killer Van Dam doesn't know that Michael Rooker's in his apartment looking through computer stuff. This is what would trigger him well, knowing about the bomb. Well, what if there was something about uh, the torch, the the serial killer version? is also inadvertently seeding information off of the replicant. That would be uh, interesting. Oh, Because otherwise, now he just has a bomb something. in his apartment, and he's like, eventually Michael Rooker's going to come, and he's going to print something on <laughs> we, my computer. We so, will fix this movie by the case. end of the show, because that is also really interesting. If the the thing is, like, we're using it as a weapon against him that we can see into his mind, but the negative is he can see the other way back into the replicant, and so... That would be interesting. Yeah. Well, everything is... It, almost anything is... This movie at every turn chooses to do the least interesting thing. <laughs> like, across the board, it takes this cool premise and goes, let's just do nothing with it and let's just do yeah, whatever. Whatever. Um, yeah. Who cares? So then uh, this meal comes through on a tray for him. And this is where we get to see, yes, Van Damme scooping mashed potatoes in his mouth like an animal. Yeah. Amazing. Always mashed potatoes. Why is it always mashed potatoes? Because it's so malleable. You know? Yeah, that's what it, it looks good. Then we get this, this weird moment when he tries to take the tray of food and Rooker won't give it to him. And he's like, he's, no, come on. He's asserting dominance. He's the alpha, John. I know. I that's a, that's a I'll tell you one of the things that makes me as an audience member not like Rooker. It's his mistreatment of this fragile uh, creation. It's essentially a child in a man's body. Yeah. And Rooker is... The first him thing like he does. Dog, yeah. basically yeah. for the entire movie to the point yeah. where even it's like oh finally the dog gets to sit in the front seat of the car <laughs> moment oh that that's the best right when that's the moment where we're supposed to be like oh when he's like you can ride up here you know like a human instead of in the cage in the back of my car Jesus. I'm really sad. I'm really sad that there's no shot of Van Damme sticking his head out a window. You know, they, they come he close. Tries and he hits his forehead on the window. That's yeah. true. They, I was That's gonna say true. they come close, man. Um, well, okay. The, what I love is we see the the first thing we see is the sit stand walk video. The next, then the then the Rooker thing. Then the next time we see him, he's learning complex gymnastics. <laughs> This is the Jim Cotta montage. Only, and down. only so we can, once again, we have talked about the idea of a separate Van Damme bingo card, but Van Damme doing the splits, man. Here it is. Every yeah, film. He's, he's got, he's got the to. splits pretty early. 
He, he does it a few times in this film, actually. Mm-hmm. I was uh, surprised at how often he none, kind of splits None in. as effective as that car splits thing he did in last week's movie. That might be <laughs> the weirdest use of his splits, but mm-hmm. yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it looked cool. I don't know that it's motivated, but it did look no, cool. Um, not at all. Uh, yeah, he, he does the splits. Uh, and then we just have Rooker yelling at the feds about, like, Man, you just made another killer. This is gonna go bad. I'm telling you. And Rooker, because that's the, Rooker's just so shitty to these people throughout the whole movie. He's instant. Mm-hmm. I can't figure out why he's so antagonistic against these federal agents. Because he just it's treats not. them why like he's so antagonistic shit. against his mom. <laughs> oh my god! Get out of here, mom. Um. Who, for a second, oh, I thought... Oh, he's trying to undress Van Damme in oh, the bathroom. Oh, oh, my God. You want to talk about how uncomfortable I was in this movie? That scene. <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, he also brings up his, mo- his mom at that party earlier, and it made me think, does Ricker live with his mom? And it's not till later that she says, I'm going home. And I'm like, okay, they don't mm-hmm. live together. But it seemed like That's he was good. living with his mom for a while there. It did. It did. It, Which yeah, I'm going like, geez, like this makes his character even sadder. <laughs> And he's living with his mom. Yeah. Get out of here, mom. I'm solving crimes. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) So, yeah. So, he's learning gymnastics. Uh, Then we get... Somehow he's absorbing all of these skills by just watching them on a video. I also like them showing uh, a guy doing the pommel horse. And he's unable to do it and they're like try again but i also thought well he's doing it with just a bed in a room he doesn't actually have a pommel horse how is he supposed to be able to do it yeah like i don't know when they're trying like get up and try again you're like oh jesus he may be lacking some equipment here folks he can do the splits (laughs) all day though uh but also yeah yeah, why are they teaching him any of this stuff except to set up later when he uses him his gymnastic moves in a fight later you know well, here they do say uh, around this part, do whatever it takes to awaken the killer inside. So that's gymnastics, what doing. yeah. Yes, yeah. mm-hmm. this idea that they're trying to expose him to things that would trigger genetic memories. But what in the experience of this serial killer has led them to believe that he's good at gymnastics? I don't know, because <laughs> I don't think we it's see true, the torch do any see... gymnastics. That's what I was just about to say. Yeah, yeah I don't think so. We've seen uh, him kick yeah. twice. But that's just... Anyone can kick uh, yeah. a, a stabbed woman in the head. Yeah. <laughs> it's, hey, man, it's actually pretty easy. Uh, no. Speaking from experience. Yeah. Uh, um, can we talk about this disturbing scene, though, where he handcuffs him here? He brings him food and then shows him handcuffs. It's like, oh, you like that? You like that clicking sound? How about this? Now you're cuffed to this table, motherfucker! There's so much awkward handcuff acting in this film because Mm. the replicant Van Damme is handcuffed to something or somebody for basically the entire movie after this point. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. essentially. And then he's getting scared and angry and trying to escape, and then Rooker threatens him with a taser. He's just like... Like, Not only is he 
threatening to escape, he's ripping a bolted table out of the wall yeah. and the floor, which made me think the replicant is like super strong. He doesn't. But nobody ever comments on it. He does it later in the movie when he's handcuffed in the back of the police car too, and he tears out mm-hmm. that bolted-in bar that he's handcuffed to in there too. You know, like Are we Jesus just Christ. To assume that the torch is very very strong. They did specifically destri- describe him as. Uh, white male, 30s, very physical. Okay. Extremely, be on the lookout for an extremely physical man. (laughs) I feel like Van Damme just has it in his uh, rider somewhere that he has to be described as very physical. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, Because just make it clear I am super strong. Um, (laughs) uh, And then after he threatens with the taser, Van Damme goes back to this sit, walk, stand, Sit, walk, stand. And you're like, Jesus. Once again, it just seems like he's just torturing this child in a man's body. Yeah. You're going like, what? He's, he's, there There could be something there if, like, he's, because of the trauma that uh, Rooker has experienced from hunting down this guy, he's yeah. then traumatizing this blank slate, which then yeah. makes the cycle happen again. But they don't really explore that either because... Well, because they are There's so many threads they start, like a lot of action show yeah. movies. There's so many things they could do that they just don't. It just, yeah, they're, they're just... just uninterested in exploring anything. <laughs> they're like, I don't know, there's a clone. But also, it, it's not jam-packed with action either. So it is kind sure. of like, what, what, do you, what is this movie? I am now struggling to remember what happened, like, what is the contents of this film like if there could be a breakdown of percentages of like how much of this movie is van damme eating things with his hands <laughs> how much of it is like michael rooker hitting him yeah you know, like like if we could just if we could get a breakdown i'll of this say film, listen all curious. of those things that. are a higher percentage than any martial arts action you know the thing yes. we pay for van damme movies to see because I, I did. I think I wrote. It's about an hour into the movie before we actually get him fighting himself, and I'm going like, yes. that's what I paid for. That's why what <laughs> I want to see. Um, yeah. Just go watch Double Impact, everybody. It's so much better. That movie's having fun. Yeah. That's the thing is, it's just like this movie's just no fun. I keep coming back to that. So some of the slog I feel about it is, is just like this is all just very unpleasant to watch. Um, yeah, because and yeah. then here's the thing the next scene is him taking him in a helicopter back to the city and i'm going well what decided that like quote unquote his training is complete or whatever i don't know why now why this he goes we got to go back to the city and the feds are like we want to hear a report every 12 hours and rooker's like fuck you there could be <laughs> there could be a thing if if again we introduce that ticking clock it's like Hey, we don't have time to finish his training. Like yeah. we have to get him out there now because yeah. this reason. You know, and then that yeah. would that would give more credence to him being his brain activity being low and like he's not he's yeah. not done yet. We didn't finish. That also could have played into we have to pull him out of the thing early cuz it's just sort of random that there happens to be a problem and they pull him out. But it's just like Yeah, I agree. Like if if the mission was compromised cuz we have to rush it because you know, tension in a thriller. I, I don't know. These are ideas. Yeah. Take them or not, movie. Apparently, they didn't take yeah. them. Um, no. We also they get... have apparently never seen a Hitchcock film. So. <laughs> this is one of the shittiest moments from Rooker too, when Van Damme is outside and he hasn't seen the sun, and he's like, "Here, give me your sunglasses." And he grabs with the FBI agent, and the guy's like, 
I paid $500 for those sunglasses. And Rooker's like, oh, really? Then he takes his sunglasses off, puts them on Van Damme, and Rooker puts the expensive sunglasses on. <laughs> what a piece of shit. Like, <laughs> It's just one of those things where you're going like, am I supposed to like this character? <laughs> Oh, I don't like anybody in this movie. <laughs> no, no, no. There's no reason to. Um, I really like the dog named Scout. That's, yeah, the, do- the dog is the I best really character like. in the movie by far. Um, yeah. No, because yeah. he bites that kid. Oh, well, I, I don't think he bites think him. He, he, like, he, he jumps up and hits him. You know? I think that kid had it. All right, because he, 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 he knocks his tooth out. That's why yeah. there's all that blood. Exactly. Yeah. The, the dog's all right. Kids, kids and dogs can sometimes be trouble. Uh, uh, th- this this leads us into the most pointless sequence of this movie. Uh, it, this entire next sequence can get cut out of this movie, and we lose literally nothing. Where Rooker realizes yeah, the feds we, are are trailing him, and he loses them, and they go to that warehouse. And then there's a whole sequence in which Rooker is trying to like slap the replicant into being a killer again. And then the feds show up and say, hey, we're shutting this down. And Rooker's like, no, fuck you. And then they try to tackle the replicant and the replicant beats up the feds. And Rooker's like, well, maybe there's something to this. And then their relationship immediately defaults back to Rooker hates this guy in the next scene. So this scene accomplishes nothing. Yep. That's... Yeah, that is true. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Gurgani hmm. went through all the bullet points I had on that, so we can just go on to the next thing. Because let's <laughs> talk sequence in <laughs> because it can literally be you talk about ten minutes. This yeah. whole like fifteen, twenty minute sequence can Gone. be excised from the film yep. and literally nothing changes. Because the fr- then true. Rooker <laughs> he calls up this real estate agent and says, Yeah, I want to see that murder house. Why didn't we just go straight to this? I know. That's a great question, Mike. Also, That's a great it's, so un- it's another very uncomfortable <laughs> scene, though, where he's parading around what to this woman is just a mentally handicapped man, and he's just pushing him around, and and this real estate agent's like, oh, yeah, you're a cop. Well, you know this was the site of a grisly massacre then. No, no, you're the TV cop who was hunting this killer. And the real estate agent is like, oh, so you personally know the history of this house. You found the bodies here. So, yeah, I guess it makes sense you'd want to buy it then. (laughs) This real estate agent is so clueless. (laughs) Yeah. And then at a certain point just disappears as he's just shoving Van Damme around this house going like, you remember anything about this? And Look we do the, get some bits of the replicant getting flashes of yeah. remembering bits of carnage in this house. Yeah. And yeah, Rooker is absolutely playing the abusive dad of just like holding his head in place and going, look at it. Look yeah. at it. Look at this yeah. mess you made. Yeah. Uh, this is also the first time we get the... Uh, no, no, sorry. No, that that's the next scene. Uh, but we do get th- th- something the movie doesn't commit to, which is... <laughs> Because uh, this stuff is all shot in first person, like he's remembering doing it. Then every other flashback to a murder is in third person, where the replicant is seeing the torch. And I thought, yes. Jesus, commit to something there. Commit to a visual style, right? Right. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, no. And I thought it was more interesting if it's the first person, right? Like, oh, Why I'm remembering. Why remember? himself seeing himself yeah. in the midst of these acts. Well, it's I mean, a, it's visual it, 
storytelling, right? So but who knows? But, but I'm saying, but it's more dramatically interesting if, if we are experiencing with him him doing these things. Like it's not just I'm remembering it. I'm remembering committing that. Once again, you can actually get into the psychological thing of dear God, I remember taking lives myself that I didn't yeah, do, maybe. but I have the memory of it. Could be interesting. That could be interesting storytelling. Can that just can that just be our across the board simple review of this movie? Replicant. It could have been interesting. <laughs> <laughs> I think that sums it up. Yeah, they chose yeah. another way. Um, mm. So Van Dam runs outside, and this is where we get the first of one of the moment. Uh, what I did not realize was going to be a whole character thing about him standing in the rain and being like, "Ah, the rain." This whole—I well, mean, Lisbon touched on it earlier. This whole subplot of this is the unstained version of the serial killer so it's it's a classic baptism trope right yeah. of being reborn as this new person without all of the stains of the past yeah 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 well they go into it too about like where he, he only survived the fire he was in because it was raining and stuff like that yeah god yeah no, like yeah. when he when he t-poses in the rain here and like embraces the water cleansing him yeah. like okay movie i get what you're trying to do well, and, and if you, movies have done it better if you didn't get yeah. it here how about when it's the freeze frame behind the the rolling credits at the end of the movie and they use this image <sighs> again you're just like man they really want to drive this home um yeah so then we cut to the torch who's just walking around and he sees this woman and her child and the woman is really mad at her son and she calls him a bad boy and ooh, that triggers the torch like nobody's business. <laughs> so, is it, so it's not just, so it's not necessarily mothers being bad. It's mothers calling children bad boys is what triggers yeah them, right? well just anyone saying bad boy right because it happens later when uh the replicant says bad boy to him right this is when the methodology of the serial killer i mean no the methodology of the serial killer comes into question when he starts just gunning people down that's when he completely yes. breaks his pattern <laughs> right but this also his pattern, quote unquote, is more just like he kills whenever he feels it's necessary. Yeah. Because the final chase of this film, which is so messed up that they don't save this last girl, I like know, this, I know. the screenwriting math here is so fucked up. Yeah. But yeah. no, they actually never save anyone. Right. Other exactly. than other than once again, you talk about this movie not doing the inherently interesting. Uh, or immediate thing, which is they s save theoretical future villains or f victims, right? Yes, suppose. Yeah, I, but that, but that's but, not satisfying as an audience member. Just go, he'll never kill someone again. What? Yeah, uh, that doesn't mean anything to me. <laughs> when he overhears this mother on the street saying, "You're a bad boy," and then that triggers him, and suddenly he needs to kill this person. Yep. So in this scenario. This the torch, the serial killer, will meticulously plan yeah. a murder of a single mother yeah. and then execute it with perfection. And he's done this dozens of times across the greater Seattle area. <laughs> and Yeah. But also he'll just do it at random. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It this still has to be that particular subset. Like what this, it what is mean? What it should be, I feel like, is he's reading a newspaper and reads about a child abuse case or something like that. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that would be more like, 
okay, yeah, he's hearing about very... Because the other thing is, this woman isn't abusing her child, really. Like, she's just saying, like, she's mad and she's saying he's a bad boy. So his definition of a bad mother is just any mother who is upset with her child. Yes, I think is yeah. what this movie is important. That's what he's saying. Because well, he takes his own trauma and he puts it on people who are, have any association with it. Exactly. Right. And it just so happens this woman says, you're a bad boy, which... Maybe someone would say, but seems very odd. To, I don't think I was ever called a bad it, boy. It, it feels more like somebody's scolding a dog. Once yes. Again, like, yes. You've been a bad boy, Rufus. Yeah. Well, when it gets back to this whole thing in this movie of them treating Van Damme as a dog. Yes. It's yeah. like writers of this movie don't know how people talk to kids. They no. only know how people. We'll talk to well, pets. We'll talk about how they write the actual kid that's in this movie because yeesh. <laughs> uh, but uh, so that just that that gets lodged in his head. We don't see where that goes just yet uh, mm-hmm. because now we're going to get to talk about that kid I was just talking about comes into the movie when Ricker goes to this house and this boy runs out and he picks him up and swings around and I'm thinking this is his son. But then it's not. It's the partner's son, and they're at her house. And I don't quite understand well, don't, the relationship dynamics here. They don't expressly say that child is not Michael Rooker's son. He's not calling him dad, though. He's calling him Jake. I guess that's true. That's yeah. the that's kind of what... That was the first one, because I thought, oh, he has a son. Then he's like, Jake. And I was like, okay, maybe he doesn't. Okay, secret backstory time. So Jake (laughs) and Angie had an illicit relationship at work in which they could never admit that they were together because that's not something that they allow on the Seattle police force. I don't know why. Well, at least let's say as partners, right? That would be probably frowned upon. Sure. They'd be compromised. Yeah. Yeah. So years go by, this relationship uh, develops, but turns out Angie has a long-standing relationship with the captain. This introduces why the captain of the police force is such a hard-ass to Jake, because those two were together, but while they were partners, she had a dalliance with Jake that produced this child. Eventually, all that exploded on the force in the midst of the serial killer investigation. Uh, Jake and Angie have never gotten together, but Angie and the police captain have since split up, so she is a single mother living on her own, which also, why did that never play into the serial killer, like, tracking down and trying to hurt Jake when his boon companion is a single mother? The, the idea that, 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 the, that the partner is not the final victim that he's targeting is truly insane. Why even yeah. have her with a kid at that point then? Like, th- just, they're... They're not only choosing the least interesting path, they're actively avoiding logical steps in screenwriting. Like, (laughs) they're choosing to avoid narrative. Like, it's insane. Any kind of themes or anything, they might, now, now, just uh, steer out of that. Yeah. That's, Jesus, Everything said about Jake and Angie, who is the name of the partner here, none of that stayed in this movie. They have a vague, undescribed relationship in which Jake is really close with... Uh, her son for yeah. no explicit reason Extremely to the point where he's scooping close. him up yeah. and like kissing him on the face yeah. and acting like he's his father slash yeah. uncle. I don't know quite what the relationship is. Yeah, here. yeah, yeah. Well, that I could mean, have been another route. Is might to, as well be true. I mean, that, it could yeah. be. It could be the situation too, where or whoa, what? If, oh, wait a minute. Let me pitch you something else. What if he, if her husband 
who was the father of this kid, was Rooker's ex-partner who got killed. And so he's mm. like, I got to look after his family for him. So he is sort of the de facto father. And then maybe you could play some kind of romantic tension with Angie, but he's like, no, you were my best friend's wife. Even though it's not actually wrong, I feel uncomfortable about it. These are all things you could do to give a character, you know, motivations and backstories and stuff yeah, like but, that. But John, if we put that in the movie, we wouldn't have time to go to that random industrial location for that <laughs> previous scene. There's so like there's about you know, three there's a or give four. and take with these things. There are maybe three to four random industrial locations that this movie goes to. Uh that's true. They yeah. love one of which takes place under a hotel. Oh, that's the best one. When you're like, wait, what? What's the secret tunnel system underneath a hotel? <laughs> um uh, okay, so uh they they go there. Uh <laughs> he he then just drags the replicant into the uh, he picks up the sun he's like run inside get your mother and then he just drags this replicant into angie's house and handcuffs him to a pipe like in the laundry room and he's like yeah you stay there and she's just going weird about that what the hell's going on here he's like don't worry about it (laughs) she says okay as if this is very normal behavior for Jake to be. Um, it might be for all we know. To be fair, kid. yeah, yeah. Whatever. He's dra- He's a retired cop. He's not on the force anymore. He's got some guy handcuffed in his car. It's like, do you mind if I lock him up in your back room for a while? I have no authority here, but I'm just going to go ahead and lock a prisoner into your basement. Is that okay? Yeah. Oh, just kidding. I didn't ask if that was okay. Um, this whole scene is just build up to. Michael Rooker beating the shit out of a handcuffed Van Damme and being abusive to this guy. That's the only purpose the scene exists. Because otherwise, why is he bringing her here? Why why is Rooker bringing the replicant here? It doesn't make any sense. No. This could have been a phone call. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because let's see, he needs a favor from her, which is she needs him to run this guy through the system. That's Mm -hmm. what he needs from her, right? why bring the replicant to her home to ask for this favor? We established in this movie that everyone has terrible early 2000s, late 90s cell phones. So. Yeah. <laughs> or she, he could have brought him to the station and they just were doing where this would happen. That would simplify a lot of this, right? Um, right, because yeah. they eventually do go to the station. Yeah, so like, that's yeah, what I'm saying. Just combine just those scenes together where we're already here yeah. and then it's like, okay, and then they do run him through the system at the station. But no, no, we have to have this scene where I guess... Is this meant to be thematic where he's locked up in the laundry room and that's where the dog's food is? And then mm-hmm. uh, the dog comes in and eats some food from the bowl and then Van Damme eats dog food? Mm. And this whole sequence is baffling in retrospect because his partner and this little boy aren't involved in the serial killer plot ultimately. Mm. they're only there to serve as like questions for what the heck is going on between her and Michael Rooker because they don't get wrapped up in the serial killer plot. This whole, the child getting exposed to danger (laughs) setup that seems like foreshadowing of serial killer Van Damme hurting the kid and the mother later. Yeah. It doesn't pay off in any way, shape or form. Well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you, here's, 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 here's another better thing is you needed the replicant to establish some kind 
this all requires the replicant to be a little bit more with it than he is but if he had some sort of friendly relationship with the mother and son the serial killer could know this cut his hair to look like the replicant and then use that to kidnap them yeah, that sounds. We never have a scene where Michael Rooker has the gun out and he doesn't know which one to shoot. Oh, such wasted opportunity. It's insane. Oh, I'm I trying get... to think back to the other Van Damme like movies where there's two Van Dams. Does that ever happen in any of those movies? I can't remember. No, because they. This is the only one where one is evil. Oh, okay. Gotcha. Like the other two Van Damme movies are, they're they're, they're, they're like both, They're either or, the same yeah. guy like Time Cop or they're both heroic twin brothers and double impact or maximum mm -hmm. risk one dies and the other one and then van damme has to take his place so that's not really a lot of duel yeah so no there's nothing like that um but yeah. this movie it seems exactly like right for and also as we're talking that's your idea listman that if they're both connected it's a two-way street they're connected to each other that's what i'm pitching is if he knows about these people mm -hmm. and that they trust the revolution he could use that against them yes there's a so there's the a million other ways this movie could do some interesting stuff, and it just won't. It just won't. This movie refuses. Actively refuses. Yeah. So all this scene is for is we see replicant chained up downstairs. The kid wanders in, being like, "Hey, who's this man eating dog food?" Well, actually, the then kid, we the, hard course, cut to the kid, the kid, him screaming with a mouthful of blood. Well, there's a little bit more before that because the kid's got to go. Ew, gross! Don't eat dog food. You're a human. Here, eat some of this. I don't know what it was—a bar of some sort. Yeah, it was like a food. like an ice cream bar you can buy at like a convenience. Yeah, it store. looks like one of those things where it's got like the oh the candied stuff on it and stuff mm -hmm, like that. Anyway. Sure. Yeah. And he but, gives him some of that, and of course never... the guy's got to you know Van Damme's got to eat like an animal because that's his acting but, choice. But, this whole sequence serves no purpose yeah. because they don't establish a rapport between the kid and the replicant because all this is here for is for Michael Rooker to react to the kid losing a tooth to the dog headbutting him or whatever yeah. happened. Oh the... yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, cause the kid screams and comes running and he's got blood coming out of his mouth and Van Damme's like, I fuck it. Or uh, Rooker's like, I fucking knew it. And then just kicks the living shit out of Van Damme mm -hmm. before the kid. There's like, not any, there's not even any repercussions for that. Like yeah. Van Damme still trusts him inherently. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah, there's there's literally no point to this scene <laughs> other than he asks Angie to look at something up, something they could have done over the phone or just put together in a scene where they actually go to the police nope. uh, precinct. Still happens later. Cause, exactly. Cause exactly. Because <laughs> she so. comes running and is like, no. It was the dog. The dog jumped up and hit him and knocked his tooth out. And then Rooker just stops beating him. And there's not even, there's just like, oh, well, hey, whatever. Uh, you know, there's not a, there's no like, oh, I feel bad about this. This would have been a nice moment for Rooker to have been like, Jesus, okay, I need to treat this guy better. Or, yeah. yeah, that's what I was thinking this was going to initiate no, instead, is like a behavioral change for Rooker. Yeah. Because he realizes how unhinged he's behaving. Instead, the next scene is him bringing the replicant home and stripping him. Yep. <laughs> well, because we get a phone call from yes, we do, we do. Gray Suit Number Two yeah. saying, "Hey, we we seen you've gone AWOL a couple of times, and you're driving this guy around. How's it going with the whole finding the serial killer thing?" And Rooker's like, "Wait, you tracking us?" And yeah. 
gray suit is like, of course we're tracking you. You've got millions of dollars in cloning technology that you're <laughs> leading around the city on a leash. Why, why wouldn't we be tracking you? Exactly, yeah. yeah. And so that's when yeah, he's like, sense. let me get him home, get him in the bathroom, strip him down, and find this tracker, baby. So we can no matter the, where. I, the delightfully second... awkward moment when the mother walks in as he's like stripping Van Damme down going, oh my! The second he started pulling his pants down, I thought, Jesus, where this is really uncomfortable to watch. Because once again, Van Damme a, a is a vacant, infant-minded adult just going, eh, and yeah, th Rooker's ripping really his pants off. Yeah, really, really uncomfortable shit. Because well, he starts by like looking over his, he's looking over his body for scars, like where they'd plant a tracker. Yeah, and he opens his mouth yeah. and starts poking at his teeth, yeah. looking for fake teeth. Yeah. It's such an invasive and terribly kind of postured scene because yeah. it definitely speaks to again this whole treating him like an animal thing. I'm gonna do the thing at the dog show where I lift up the tail and check the testicles. Like it's, he's it, doing, it's, he's manhandling this uh, developmentally challenged person no, as it, is presented in the film. It's total. It's totally more dog stuff, right? It's it's going to the yeah. vet and being like, right, let, let me see your teeth, and he's, ar, 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 you know, you're just going like Jesus. This is awful to watch. He's just going yeah. like, man, yes. this movie isn't fun at all. I don't care how much is, of a divorced dad you are. But is this scene supposed to be played for laughs because the mother walks well, in? Well, then that's the thing that makes it weird. Yes, I think it yeah. is. Yeah. And he goes, Mom, it's not what you think it is. <laughs> it's work what? stuff. Yeah, it's work it's stuff. Work stuff. I, know it, oh, you... <laughs> I know what it looks like. It looks like I'm I mean, about to grab this dude's package. But, listen, I swear, I only am doing it for work reasons. They At the probably, fish hatchery that I've opened up. They've probably hit a tracker in his balls. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I kind of get a good look. <laughs> How does Michael Rooker's character know where they would plant a tracker of yeah. some kind? Local Seattle cop is going to find the tracker placed by secret government organization that can make clones... So they probably also have uh, more advanced tracking systems than he's aware of. They could have also just, just grown it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Grown it inside the clone. Well, they I, that, that's something him. I was thinking about is the is the nano blood in the Daniel Craig Bond movies where they can they inject it in his blood and they can track him. Mm -hmm. I, I was just thinking like, yeah, they grew him. Why not just have it like on the inside of his ribs where no one would ever that's, find yeah, it? Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like it's it's in his system. Um. Yeah. Exactly. You just go. Yeah. I don't. Did know. they ever explain where the no, tracking device? He, he is? No. He gives up trying to find so. it <laughs> after yeah. this. Because then it's his, it's his mom who goes, "Oh, Jakey, don't you know if you treat everyone like a criminal, they're not gonna like you or whatever." You know, you're just going no, like, it, "Oh yeah. Oh, good. Uh, did you write it down? If you treat people like criminals. Yeah. That is exactly what they become. Oh, there you, you know, go. This feels like." It, this is it feels like they're trying to hammer home some kind of like moral here yeah that the movie doesn't really pay off in uh, any way because it's building towards what we wanted earlier which is this turn in michael rooker's character where he sees the error of his ways and he starts treating the replicant more like a person and the yeah. only scene we get to that end is this moment where he throws blankets on him and is like 
eh, I guess you need to stay warm. He's still, and then he closes he's, the door and turns off the lights. handcuffed to a pipe, and he just Blank throws enough. some blankets on him and shuts out the light going, yeah, there you go. I guess you're human, kind of. That is the one concession to humanity that he really gives this guy throughout the rest of the film. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> that final line of just like, I'm your family now. Yes. You have no choice, I'm your family now. It doesn't feel earned in any nope. way, shape, or form. It feels no, manipulative. Not one bit. Yeah. Not one bit. Oh, it's it's terrible, this movie. doesn't know family. what it's trying... I mean, it knows what it's trying to say, but it has no idea how to say it um so uh yeah that's exactly uh what that scene is gives hey i just wrote down record gives replicant blanket still handcuffed in bathroom um <laughs> then the replicant though dreams of the abusive mother uh as the killer is grabbing the woman we saw earlier the torch grabs that woman so this implies that days later he tracked this woman down and got her. Yeah. And while he's doing that, he is beating up the entire staff of a kitchen. <laughs> yeah. Not subtle. I don't know how this guy hasn't been caught yet. Like, yeah, he's not being careful at all. There's so many well, witnesses. Because he's grabbing this woman at her car, right? And this guy comes over yeah. and is like, hey, man, let her go. And Van Damme kicks that guy. She runs off into, yes, the kitchen of a restaurant where all these guys and chef outfits are like, hey, what's happening here? And he just destroys this kitchen of chefs. <laughs> I like how all the chefs are like, all right, now let me jump in and try and fight and him. Nobody's them... like, oh, Jesus, leave me alone. Also, all of them are coming out with like pepper grinders or rolling pins. Nobody thinks to grab one of the big fucking knives that'd be in there and go at him. Nope. No. No, it's all like, let me grab this whisk. That'll take him down. Uh <laughs> And then he has this weird move where he puts his leather glove on a hot plate so that he can oh. like burn this woman with his heated leather glove. It's like, <laughs> yeah, the leather works like that. You know, I'm pretty I sure it would does. melt if he held it on there long enough. It doesn't conduct. I don't think of leather as conducting heat like that. He should have picked up it, a kitchen instrument and done it. You know, heated. And if again, it like is, then it would be burning his hand long before yeah, it burns exactly. her face. Yeah. 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 That was weird. And we actually don't see him finally kill her. We cut back away. Because yeah. all of this is kind of a dream sequence. Because the, the, the cut on the scene is of him of his hot glove hitting her face, and then it cuts back to replicant. What if he has a metal hand? Did we ever consider this possibility? Well that's getting he very bondy. Oh. That's getting very bondy. He wears those gloves a lot. I'm just saying. I like this. Idea. You're right, Lesman. We never considered that the main villain of the film is also a cyborg. Why not? <laughs> what? A, that would be an amazing twist. They make a replicant of a cyborg, <laughs> and then it's cyborg versus replicant at the end of the movie. Well, the the interesting concept there is like, oh, the original has improved their body with machinery. This is just the raw biological version of that. And what? How do those shake out in the end? Who wins right. in a battle of flesh versus machine? <laughs> that also sounds like a better movie. <laughs> it does. Yeah. <laughs> it's not hard to make a better movie yeah. than what we watched here it's, today. Uh... Do, we, do we go to the police the the police office after this? I believe I that is next. Yes, oh. uh, yes, it is. Because uh, they're and they're, the whole thing now is because they have the, it. 
Okay. The, okay. The, the whole thing is here is now that they have the face of the killer through this replicant, they can run him mm. through the system, right? Like the facial recognition system. But here's the thing yeah. that doesn't make any sense about this. Wouldn't the National mm. Security Force have an even better system to be able to run his face through than the Seattle Police Department? You'd think. Yes. Why, why did they have to take him out of here at all if this was the plan? Well, this wasn't the plan. This is Michael Rooker going against the plan. They told, the, the, the shadowy government organization told Michael Rooker, just use the replicant to track down this killer. Don't involve anybody yeah. else. And Michael Rooker immediately went off the plan by right. trying to involve well, the because police they, department. They talk about that. It's a classified thing. But I'm saying that when they had the replicant completed physically, wouldn't the first thing they could have done before they take him through training or anything is scan him into the system, find out who the guy is? That implies that the shadowy government organization is actually interested yeah. in tracking down the serial killer. They just want to see how this all goes. For all intents and purposes, they're not. They just I don't think they care. They just yeah. want to hand him off to Rooker and see what happens. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're, yeah, field testing. The, the movie is so uninterested in what the National Security Force is up to. Uh, despite the fact I'm like, I kind of want to go back to them because they're the people with crazy cloning technology. I have I think many more questions guys. about that. Well, that would be really interesting. Oh, I'll tell you an even more interesting thing. What if they had made the killer and he went off reservation and this whole thing was about mm. that? Then there could have been a twist where they are the bad guys and they've been making killers accidentally. See, based on a cursory description of this film and the tagline in one of the original posters, mm -hmm. I was kind of working under that assumption going into it. Right. I, I thought that this movie was going to be Van Damme was some kind of badass super soldier that got out of control, and now the government is only way they can track him down and kill him is by creating another one. Yeah, that well, that's also sounds like a better movie. And then just ditch Rooker completely. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Because yeah, the character doesn't really make that's, sense. That's so. kind of the big thing I don't understand. And I would have thought Van Damme, being a major movie star, would have brought this up, which is, I'm not the star of this movie. I'm not the main guy. No. You would think that would have bothered him, because it really is Rooker is the protagonist here. Yeah. But they but they sell it to him as, ah, but you have to play this childlike persona and attempt to convey these emotions yeah, through it. action. Yeah. Well, he gets to be both the creepy bad guy and the childlike. Which I, yeah, I'm sure I'm sure it was pitched to him. Because once again, like we said, this is sort of the era where Van Damme is trying to be like, I'm more than just an action guy. I'm an actor. And we've talked about he yeah. He is good, but not when he... Not when he He's good when he just sort of plays nuance within the action hero, not so much when he's really trying to go for it. The last two movies we've watched on the show have been Van Damme really striving really to do dramatic work. Yeah. And both yeah. of those, it's not necessarily that he's bad as much as it's just like, it's too much. It's too much. With yeah, it doesn't. It doesn't fit the film that he is actually in. And, it, and it's, they both ignore the just natural charisma the guy possesses. Right, yeah. Like, yeah. Van Damme is such a likable presence. Stop trying to force it, you know? That's sort of the thing that gets me is like you don't yeah. need, you don't yeah. he doesn't need to prove himself to me is I think more where I'm at. Like we liked Wake of I Death mean, and Assassination Games. Yeah, and I, I, I think of uh uh Jean Claude Van Johnson and like yes. how how successfully he can he can sort of poke fun at himself mm -hmm. and 
I, and maybe that's just the context of seeing that and you know obviously that came out long after have you watched films, uh but... did you watch the last mercenary listman i have not seen the that, netflix no. i haven't watched it yet either but i hear that's sort of similar like it's sort yeah, of a oh, yeah i remember hearing really good things about i it hear it's sure. great but that's sort of him once again playing like an over the hill action hero guy in it and stuff like that mm -hmm. and, you know once again mm -hmm. having fun with the persona like i said it's just across the board i keep coming back to it but it's just like there is no fun to be had in this movie it's just not it's just not enjoyable in that way that action movies can be um but yeah. also it's failing and, on the dramatic it, level it, it does try to have fun but it's so problematic yeah. that it, there's no fun to be had in those moments yeah so and, they um, they they enter van damme into the system of the replicant mm -hmm. that is and uh, <laughs> uh immediately they find the guy the real guy in the system so it seems mm -hmm. like job well done they also this is also where rooker is forcing him to look at crime scene photos going wait look at these look at these these, these doing anything for you jogging any memories and van damme is just it's like a dog he's got his head and he's showing him and he's like yeah, and we had that one moment of humanity of here's some blankets you're cold in this also, chained up in this bathroom and then immediately fair, back to being abusive still yeah. dog-like though here are some blankets as you sleep leashed up in this room and it is begrudgingly <laughs> giving him blankets yeah, yeah it's still not humanity yeah. i laid out some blankets for this dog um <laughs> actually it's it's worse than people treat their dogs for the most part jesus um i really expected this movie to end with finally he lets van damme sleep at the end of his bed um <laughs> just you see van damme curl up you know right. like do a few circles yeah <laughs> that really would be or he's he's just asleep and moving his arms like oh he's probably chasing rabbits in his dreams uh, <laughs> that's it yeah they they make Van Damme oh, a police boy. dog uh, at the end of the movie. Uh, <laughs> that's it, boy. Sniff out the bomb. <laughs> that's a good Van Damme, and they put the, they give him the treat. Uh, uh, he turns out he Van dog. there you go, Jean Claude Van Dog. That's the sequel. The the Jean Claude Van something is limitless. I feel like. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, definitely. <laughs> He just needs to make a whole bunch of those. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah. Yeah, so uh, Rooker finds the killer's address mm -hmm. on the mm -hmm. uh, on the thing, just as the police captain comes in to go, what are you doing here? You are definitely retired, and I'm very mad that you would come in and use resources. And I think this is the and last And then he leaves and nothing comes of it. Mm -hmm. Yep. There's no consequence. I think this is actually the problem. last we see of the police captain at all in the movie. Yep. <laughs> I know this guy who the whole movie seems to be setting up as like a potential antagonist of some sort, right? The guy who's going to stop Rooker from his rogue investigation. But having Rooker retired is a big problem with that because you don't mm. have scenes where the captain's chewing him out because he doesn't work there. Well, and it also makes the posse of cops that Rooker gets after this part yeah. make zero sense because if you have this antagonistic captain who's like, oh, don't help this rogue cop who's retired find this serial killer, it seems like they he's given them permission to go do that. The more interesting thing would be if this captain then turned around to a couple cops and goes, hey, follow him. Keep an eye on what he's up to. 
Mm. That would have been but something. Instead, it almost feels like all of the cops are going rogue just yeah. to help out. Well, and Michael of course, Rooker. the posse of cops is also great because it's his partner, Angie, and then just two randos. Yeah, yes. Just two other cops. <laughs> I thought were cannon fodder, but they both make it out. I know how they do, yeah, how yeah. they they they. Sh I thought one mm. of them's got to get just destroyed in that. I explosion. think one of them does die, right? Or or, no, or one of them gets hospitalized, hospitalized, and there's this whole like, is he okay? Moment between Rooker and Angie of just like we don't know who that other guy was. Why are we devoting time to them being so concerned with they, this the, individual? One guy takes the brunt of this explosion, but then they make a point yes. of wheeling him out on a stretcher, and then yes, later talking about thank God he's okay. What? Because that that <laughs> shot of him taking the explode, he looks like he like oh, half yeah. of him gets vaporized. Like it's <laughs> don't worry. I, it's, I rewound it a couple of times. It looks like they do a bad CGI like vaporizing scene of yes. him getting blown into bloody chunks. And so yes. when they have him wheeled down on a stretcher, I'm like, oh no, 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 no. The movie just told me he was in pieces. What the yeah, hell? Yeah. <laughs> don't worry. He's missing his face. We all of the skin on his uh, the front of his don't skull. Don't worry, is we glued like, him back not... together. He's all right. I'm fine, you guys. We found all the pieces. Uh, Don't worry. We made a replicant of him, so he's totally fine. <laughs> yeah, the government also made a replicant of this guy. Uh, yeah, that's 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 the uh, plot of a different clone movie called The Island. We'll all... not talk about ooh, that here. Ooh, I like that movie a lot. I'm a big island defender. I know that that's not everybody's favorite, but I, en <laughs> I enjoyed that movie immensely. Um, mm. So, uh, uh, yeah. So, Rooker, of yeah, course. And the stock serial killer lair yeah, slash he, apartment he goes mm -hmm. right to it doesn't care about legality of anything he's kicking in this door he's got his gun out the other cops do show up angie and the randos uh, uh by the way one of my favorite Great bands band name. one of my favorite oh bands. i love that band yeah angie and the randos Oh, I think so they're good. a skiffle band. <laughs> yes, uh -huh. yeah. you're right. Maybe a bluegrass yeah. band. I think that's yeah. right. Angie and the Randos. Um, but uh, uh, I do like <laughs> the only thing is a couple times Angie goes, "Hey, this is an illegal search. You know that." And he's like, "Whatever. I'm gonna keep kicking stuff over. Who cares?" Uh, well, and all of their complaints are immediately tossed out the window when they find the serial killer altar, right? Yeah, mm. where he's got all these, of course, just needlessly clipped up you know cut out photos like surveillance photos of people uh, of both the the woman who he's about to kill and rooker mm -hmm. and he's got them all like rubber cemented to the you can just whatever this guy's using it's something that requires a brush to put adhesive on right he's not using oh, yeah, like airline. normal glue uh this yeah. altar is just short of having a pentagram. Like honestly, yeah, like, it's, it's just it's it, just shy of that. It really is so stock serial killer. Or you can imagine yeah. him like Joker in Batman '89, just cutting out photos and yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, um, mm -hmm. you just like Jesus. This is just nothing new. Nothing new going on here. And that would be, nope. I would be more okay with that if the replicant stuff was better. And you're going like. Well, they're kind of using a stock serial killer to tell me an interesting sci-fi story, but neither one is interesting, so it yeah. just fails on both levels. Uh, and then they find the serial killer's computer, which has one of my favorite things from late 90s, early 2000s, which mm -hmm. is a computer with no graphical interface whatsoever, yep. and simply a phrase in brackets telling you that you need to press a key to continue. Yeah. And mm -hmm. it only serves one function, like some kind of... <laughs> 
storytelling device in a video game where he, you press F to continue. He hits the space bar and it goes off of the, the, the screensaver right to crime the scene photos, photos that of, he's taken yeah. of his victims and then he just keeps hitting space bar as more photos come up. There's no uh, navigation or anything. It, it's just he's like <laughs> he, he's at least turning, put it on a separate hard drive. Yeah, you know? he's like, like an, put it in a folder on he, a hard drive. He's somewhere. like an Don't ape just here, just it. hitting this button. <laughs> oh, next photo. And they even at least in the Matrix, they never show you any kind of actual interface. But there's an implication that they're interacting with those screens of code yeah. in some way. That's, they're not yeah. just pressing the space bar to continue. No, that's the thing. Where it's like in the Matrix, you're going like, oh, I, I couldn't understand what this is this is some kind of next level code sure uh because it's green and scrolling um but uh yeah it's it's and then they go well hey we got to get out of here and he's like no or i like when she goes i got a call for backup and he grabs her phone like don't i need to look at more photos grizzly grizzly photos and then he's like and hang on i better print them well he doesn't though he just says press a key to print yeah. it, it's literally he never interacts with it beyond doing exactly what the computer is telling him to do definitely not a trap which i thought yeah why would you hit yes absolutely computer i do want to print these <laughs> john this is 2001 nobody knew what computers did no it still is this is not that far from uh uh, Willem Dafoe having copper poisoning from spending too much time around computers in Speed 2. Right. <laughs> that was a real concern then. Oh, God, if we're around computers as much, all that copper is going to get us. Um, uh, m- meanwhile, while all this is happening, yeah. the replicant who is still locked in Rooker's police car is having a premonition of disaster. Mm-hmm. It, the, the, the titular Cassandra here. Yeah, this is where he rips out the, the bar that he's cuffed to in the car. And uh, gets out of there. And he comes in just as this is about to explode. Uh, And, of course, the police are going to arrest him, it seems like, because he looks like the killer. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Which I love. And then, yeah, so the place blows up. A guy is vaporized, but then okay. Uh... (laughs) (laughs) And... uh... And the serial killer Van Damme yeah. is walking down the street when he sees his apartment explode. He's like, whoop, I guess I shouldn't go back there. Uh, <laughs> I'll just turn right back around. Okay. Yep, doop, doop, going the other way. This is, this is the moment where he sees stumbling out of the burning building. Yeah. What's this? A version of me? Mm, I would never cut my hair that short, but otherwise he looks exactly like me. Uh... <laughs> Uh, and so, yeah, so they they chase each other uh, into this bar. I do love uh, this point when... Lame-ass power-walking chase that happens here. Lame-ass power-walking <laughs> chase. But when Rooker and his partner come out, and she goes, I don't understand. You have the killer in your car. It's like, it's not him. It's a whole thing. I can't explain it to you. I got it. And she's like, I can't. I What? <laughs> and so then he starts chasing. They end up in this bar uh, uh, which is not, o- it's during the day, so they're not open, and there's just a janitor vacuuming, and, like, the bartender's doing some kind of inventory or something on a clipboard as these, mm-hmm. as the as two Van Dams explode in and start fighting on a pool table. <laughs> well, and, yeah, less Van fighting. Van Damme really gets the best of Van Damme here. He really does. Yeah, less really fighting. Does. It's more, 
the torch is attacking him and uh the replicant is using gymnastics to evade him is mostly how this fight goes because he gets up and he's doing the pommel horse on the pool table uh not a lot of i was weren't you expecting use of pool cues and or pool balls as weapons it happens eventually but not as much as you would have no because that's what i'm waiting for is now because because this is the hour into somebody's gonna grab the cue ball and smash it on the other's head yeah or somebody's gonna use a pool cue as a bow staff or something i'm just going well uh, because this is the hour into the movie where i'm going finally it's van damme versus van damme what we were promised in this movie and eh. yeah it's because you called it a fight, and that's not what this is. No, this is no. assault. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. well, once again, it's the innocent replicant. This is my problem with the replicant being so childlike, because he's not fighting back. He's just going, ah, don't hit me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which is upsetting in its own right. Yeah. Um, when, the, when the janitor and the bartender get involved, though, is really what I enjoy, because... Uh, the torch beats the shit out of shit out of this janitor, and then when the bartender goes to call the police, he picks up the vacuum that the guy had and just hurls it at the guy behind the bar. That's a great move. This this leads to one of my favorite. This is probably my favorite one liner in the movie because it's so out of nowhere and yeah, dumb. Yeah, yeah. I wrote this he's down. Yeah, hurling glasses at the bartender who is like curled up on the ground defending his face. He finally tears the phone out of the wall, throws it at the bartender, and just says, "No more phone calls." Yeah, I I have that one written down. That's one of our nominees. No more <laughs> phone calls. <laughs> Uh, and so then now, after all this chaos has happened, uh, mm-hmm. he goes, uh, he, he finally decides to question, uh, the replicant and goes, who are you? What are you? And, uh, the replicant doesn't get time to answer because this bartender, keep in mind, this is the guy who just had glasses hurled at him, the phone smashed. And before that, a, a vacuum was thrown at him goes, now that I got my baseball bat, it's time for me to fuck this dude up. And so he leaps over the bar, ready to take down the torch with his baseball bat. And uh, the torch just shoots him in the heart. <laughs> yeah, pulls out a gun and shoots him. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, oh. And then this is where he then puts the gun to uh, the replicant's head. And the replicant can barely understand what's happening. Uh, yeah, I was just about to say, is this the replicant seeing what a gun does for the first I time? I think that's the idea because... Uh, uh, Rooker gave him a gun earlier and he didn't really understand what it was or how it worked so he sees this guy get killed by it then he's got the gun to his head but then this is where he hears the sirens coming so he just hits him across the face with the gun and runs out well because as you know doing that is much faster than pulling a trigger yeah I I mean I I, I think honestly I would have rather they had him not hit him and just be like well, he looks like me. I'm not going to shoot him because I don't even understand what this is. That could have been more right. played how it is, right? Where it's like, I don't know. What if know. he, like, captured him and, like, oh, well, tried that... to, like, manipulate him into becoming... I mean, he sort of... He kind of does that, but I agree. They, that could have been the whole, like, third act of the movie had had yeah. you done that. Uh, and then we really... You would have thought Van Damme would have wanted to do something like that because that would have been more meaty acting where he's playing against himself and... We, yeah. we have to stop pitching better ideas. We'll be here all day. <laughs> I can't help it. I know. I it could have been so much better. Well, this it's one. Just like literally at every turn, we yeah. can pitch something better. Because, yeah. well, this one, though, I think really, we don't do this all the time on the show, but this movie is such a rich, like, starting place for a movie. 
that there's so many mm. cool places to go. And once again, the movie is just like, nope, we're just gonna no. Instead, we're just gonna keep doing the same shit. Like, but but Mike does have a fair point because I think we still have like uh, 45 minutes left of this movie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This um, is this is an hour into the 42 hours. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. So the cops run into the bar. The replicant tries to follow the killer. Uh-huh. Uh, I just wrote down, uh, the torch calls Rooker, wants info, then taunts him. Because he's yeah. calling him to go, what was that guy who looked like me? Ah, who cares? You suck, detective. Uh- <laughs> <laughs> nya, 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 click. That's, that's basically what it is. <laughs> Meanwhile, now the replicant is loose in the streets at this point, and we just see him wandering yeah. around. I think my favorite part of this is this family that's eating outdoors, and the replicant just leans into like the kid eating his sandwich and is like, "What is this?" And the father's like, "Hey, pal, get out of here!" <laughs> He's one step away from pulling out the shoeing broom of like, "Yeah, get." Get. <laughs> I, I really thought he was going to take a bite of this kid's sandwich is what I really thought. That's what get. I thought, too. Yeah, where he's just like, ooh, turkey Ow. and provolone. Um, <laughs> but, uh, and Rooker calls the gray suit and is like, hey, you're tracking us, right? You know where the replicant got to, yeah? Yeah. I'm tricking you into revealing where this thing's location is. This actually might Boy, be I'm glad you're really, really dumb. This actually uh, might be the smartest thing anyone does in the movie, though. <laughs> That, is yeah. Rooker doing this and it's like yeah you guys are in the red light district for some reason and then oh this is the weirdest scene in the movie I think uh, this, is, this scene is so unnecessary is uh, uh, the replicant and this hooker yeah. You don't want to watch a scene in which Jean-Claude Van Damme, who is acting like a child, is uh, being led into a sexual encounter with a prostitute? Yeah. Um, weirdly enough, no, I, I'm, I don't enjoy this. Hey, this I woman who plays fair. the hooker uh, comes back in uh, in Hell with Van Damme and Ringo Lamb directing a couple years after this. Oh. They use her again. Yeah. Uh, I'm just looking to see if she also plays a hooker. No. Or at least she's at least she has a character name. She may still be a hooker. I don't know. I haven't seen that movie. But um, no, th- this is one of the most cringeworthy, awkward scenes I've seen in a I movie in quite some time. Even I can't even. I, he's wandering around. I didn't walk into this movie wanting to see Jean Claude Van Damme prematurely ejaculate, and yet here I am having seen that now. Because <laughs> he, oh my god, he's wandering around. There's this woman a lady of the night if you will um mm. and uh she goes hey do you want to come with me and he's like because eh, he doesn't really speak okay. once again yeah and so she leads him to this hotel starts undressing uh sees that he has handcuffs already hanging off of one of his hands rolls with that assumes this must be wouldn't think maybe there's something suspicious about the guy already having his one wrist handcuff when he walked in Anyway, he's just ready to go. That's what know? you think. Like, he knows his thing. They also he don't, knows what he's doing. They also don't look like kinky handcuffs. They have like the plastic between yeah. them that looks like they're police, you know, whatever. Like yeah. uh he the whole time has said nothing to her, basically. No. Uh um, he has not implied he has any money whatsoever. She's uh, I don't she think she even until asked for the money. last possible minute. I yeah, I think that's a weird uh just professional note there on on this sex worker is uh, she really lets him go pretty far before she's like, "Hey, we need to get some money involved." Yeah, this whole 
what purpose does this scene serve other than this hooker will serve as our into the sunset moment of this film? I, yeah. in a million years, never expected that because um, he uh, he starts rubbing up on her here, and yeah. it, it is a it is clumsy and childlike because yeah. that is what Van Dam is playing here, and it's really upsetting to watch. It's really upsetting yes. to watch because it kind of turns rapey but not because he's it, not it, mentally there he can't right. he doesn't it understand really rides that line. he doesn't understand yeah. sex or consent and yeah. so this is ins- and then she calls her pimp and says we got a uh uh what's it deadbeat, deadbeat. that's it deadbeat it is, it is. The, yeah and then she sees that yes he has prematurely ejaculated in his childlike sweatpants and then she starts putting two and two together that maybe this clunky, <laughs> silent, uh, strange man may not be fully there. But it doesn't matter yeah. because enters my favorite character, her pimp, who enters with such hostility and energy. Oh, man. I yeah. hear we Did got a payment problem. <laughs> he has the most villainy voice. Yeah. Yes. Oh, it sounds like you need to pay up now. <laughs> and then she's going, he's, no, he wait. He has the most broad performance. Yeah. She's like, no, wait. It's not what it. And, and then he just backhands her across the room. And uh, and then he and. You're good for he, business, you think. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He he and his if you're goon. An entrepreneurial you know, man uh, working in this. Uh, he and his goon know. proceed to just start smacking the hell out of Van Damme. But of course. He's Van Damme, so he starts beating up on them. Yeah, yeah, and we get a fight sequence with the the pimp and a bunch of goons and Van Damme, and Van Damme gets the best of them, tosses them around the hallway. Meanwhile, the hookers behind them in that classic, like, no, don't. It's a misunderstanding between this guy who just ejaculated on me prematurely and might have some developmental issues, and my pimp. Like, the moral complexity here is through the roof. <laughs> yeah. He does throw one guy off the railing of this floor down to the lobby of the hotel, which I did like. Uh, yeah. One yeah. guy there's, does go flying. with a staircase here. And then the cops show up, Rooker and some other cops show up with their guns. Oh, no, two cops show up, and they're, they've got their guns on. Then Rooker comes in and goes, no, no, you don't understand. This is a... Off the books, federal opera. What? I don't even know what he's trying to argue here. He doesn't say anything. He just says, no, no, he's with me. Yeah. And then yeah. they get out. Oh, okay. They're they're not, they don't bother to check anything. They don't bother Never to mind. look into it at there's, all. Uh, there's clearly a bunch of prostitution happening and numerous assaults, but if Rooker says it's cool, we'll just go home then. <laughs> like, well, it's the red light district. They're allowed to do that here. In Seattle? Mm. <laughs> 2001 Seattle, John. It was a different time. It was like 1970s New York. Yeah, 2001 Seattle is basically Amsterdam at this point. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, so, let's see. Uh, so, the, Rick, Ricker just goes, all right, back to work. Look at these fucking crime scene photos again. Anything? <laughs> Let's yeah. go back to this scene. You know what? And then he's he's got the photo of the of of the woman, and he goes, "Is this the next victim? Is this her?" And Van Damme's like, <laughs> "He might as well be making dog sounds." Scooby-Doo. Yeah, Scooby Doo voice. I mean, he might as well, it man. Is... 
That's what his and face it's not is doing. Outside that he starts getting flashes of, oh, I do know where this is happening. Oh, or, that's after Rooker gets some ice cream. I guess that's what triggers <laughs> yeah. his breakthrough is ice cream. Yeah. God, uh, well, actually, before this, I do want to mention that the hooker setting up the end of the movie goes, uh, "When you get the chance, look me up sometime." When you, when you get out, I don't because you know. uh, I'm trying to go. How did we go from her being mad he didn't pay? To her being like, oh, I see, he's not all there. To, we should get together for real. That, so, those three jumps that that woman she, has. You know what in the jump is, John? Was that? She she saw that he prematurely ejaculated and was like, this is the person for me, that I want to spend the rest of my <laughs> he life. He thinks with. I'm that attractive. <laughs> she saw that she this took is that a guy flattering. with developmental issues and clearly has the mind of a child yeah. and prematurely ejaculated. And she, her thought is, yum, yum, give me some of them buns. <laughs> As this movie has described him earlier, very physical. Yeah, very so, physical. Well, he yeah. was very physical. It's yeah. so gross. I, yeah. I, I just, I can't. I can't. I just, when, as soon as she said that, I thought that was weird. But I did not think the movie was going to end with them together. I, that, I still think it's less weird than. Uh, it's Pound still of Flesh. less weird than a guy marrying or at least getting together with uh, the identical version of his dead wife and just being like, yeah. well, we'll just. Like nothing ever happened. Um, just slaughter in. That is the yeah. end of uh, last week's movie, Pound of Flesh, um, mm-hmm. which is truly disturbing stuff. Uh, yep. So Rooker not only uh, gets him ice cream, but he finally explains to Van Damme what he is, which he's a genetic copy. Or what do they keep saying? He's a genetic, yeah, copy, I think is what they say. Uh, yeah. And also, oh, we haven't talked about this runner because this happens here where the replicant comes out of the bathroom trailing a bunch of toilet paper. Toilet paper really baffles this guy, which really makes me wonder no. what... Hmm? He's not baffled. He's very entertained, like a cat, in unspooling the toilet paper. I guess that's what yeah. it is. Because he, he just comes out of the bathroom and it's rolling behind him. But it also makes me think, I don't know what kind of situation this guy's. I don't. What's he doing in the bathroom? <laughs> He's just pawing at the, the roll. I'm just saying, because, like, at seeing how this, far guy, it goes. this guy's mental faculties are really in question. And rooker's just letting him go into the bathrooms himself and i i think there's trouble in there also we talk about the fact i don't think he changes out of the sweatpants that he jizzed in earlier nope nope <laughs> he wears that through the throughout the entirety of this film okay mm-hmm. okay in fact when he meets up with the hooker at the end of the film he still, <laughs> still is wearing... wearing those sweatpants and then she's like yep. oh you didn't change them <laughs> how romantic yeah <laughs> I never wanted to forget. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this movie, man. Um, yeah. So, uh, yeah, he buys him ice cream. He lets him sit in the front seat. And he's... Uh, like a real boy. Like a t- Do you want to... Hey, what if Michael Rooker was like, you want to sit on my lap? <laughs> Come on, boy. Come on. Come on up. You, Come my on. Lap? you can steer if I, if I hit the gas. <laughs> you, you know, they do doggy cones at like dairy queen yeah, yeah. that's yeah. the sense i got of this moment or like yeah. uh yeah. starbucks where they just put like a cup of whipped cream for the dog that's uh-huh. what it is he needs to just put that down on the ground for van damme to go <laughs> and what's funny about all of this is van damme is objectively a bigger man than rooker yeah. that's what really makes all this funny is him leading this big dude around <laughs> like 
but uh yeah so um but yeah this leads them to being like well yeah van damme has this epiphany or or some kind of i feel like he he knows where the next murder is gonna happen well because that that's the thing he shows in the picture of the next victim he's like oh and he draws on the windshield of the car he draws a very rudimentary child image of a house and then a clock Mm. and that's enough for rooker to go i know where he is and where the he only is, place where there's a clock and a house at the same time. It's this hotel they end up going to, right? Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Uh, and uh, so they go to this but hotel. It's too late. It's too late because once they get up to the floor of the hotel, which I, oh, you gotta love. He goes up to this guy at the front desk of the hotel with this weird serial killer cutout photo of this woman. He just goes, "Is this woman staying here?" And the guy's like, I can't tell you that. He's like, just forget it. All right, let's go. Uh, and he's and this guy's like, are you a like, cop? He yeah. has no response. <laughs> when you a cop? He's like, Ed, never mind who I am. Uh... That character is literally credited as Snooty Concierge. <laughs> he's not he's Snooty. Not snooty. <laughs> played by James Hudson, whose IMDb description, the first sentence of which is, a protege of Ben K. Kingsley Hudson studied at the British Academy of uh, oh. British American Drama Academy in Oxford, England. Oh no! Now I feel so bad for under, this guy. Under Kingsley's direction, James played Vladimir in Waiting for Godot. Oh my god! Oh, and you look at his—you look at his film and TV credits. It's so much garbage. So much garbage like this. I mean, I mean, Kingsley has also been on this podcast, so, you know. <laughs> and, he, and he will be again. We have we have a few Kingsley yeah. movies. But still, this guy uses that that training to play MRI doctor in an episode of Smallville and hotel manager in Supernatural. Uh, I am certain this guy probably has a huge career on stage, and we just don't know about he, it. He it's must. Possible, I mean, yeah. with that kind of training, I would think that would get you a, I mean, a protege of, uh, of Ben Kingsley. That's pretty prestigious, man. That might be that might be overselling the relationship between this guy sure. and Kingsley, but you know. Well, because no. as we pointed out, people write their own bios on IMDb, so. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, uh, but he is in Ten Point Five Apocalypse for various directors for various films of this podcast. Uh, their their bio describes them as a visionary. Yeah, so, yeah, 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 yeah. We have we have had a lot of that. They're challenging the genre. Um, yeah, yeah, a lot uh, of that going on. Yeah, so they rush into the hotel, but it's too late. There's already smoke and the fire alarm, and this woman is all kinds of dead in the bathtub. Mm-hmm. And you're just going mm-hmm. like, great, great heroic actions from our main characters. Yeah, whatever, she's guys. fucking dead. Um, but at the, but don't worry, because the replicant says, I can sense him. He is close. <laughs> I don't think he actually says that, but they do start having a psychic chase. Yeah, he does say yeah. he doesn't he doesn't say I can sense it, but he kind of looks around and he just goes, "He's close." Uh, mm-hmm. And so they start running, uh, running around. But then they get to this, uh, this whatever this sort of industrial area of the hotel is, and uh, replicant locks Rooker in this office, almost like going, "It's too dangerous." He doesn't say anything; he just locks it. But it is sort of him going like, "I must face him alone." Well, well, then, but then, torch, the torch yeah. says, "You got my message." 
Yes. When they meet face to face. Is, is that, that implying because there wasn't a physical a, message? A psychic message? Did he send a psychic message? Damn, we needed is that what this movie was. We implied? needed we needed a shot of the torch with his fingers to his head, Professor X style. Yeah. <laughs> to me, my replicant. <laughs> Yeah. Let's just assume that's exactly what happened and move on because yeah. okay. otherwise we can like start picking apart like what the <laughs> fuck is this movie trying to say and we could again be here all day. So then they go <laughs> yeah, from this industrial place to the underground tunnel system under the hotel. Uh, this is a weird yeah. hotel. Where he's parked his motorcycle. That is big enough to have a motorcycle in. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, my God. When he finds him, he's got his motorcycle down here. Which I guess, what, this was all his plan? It's like, I go upstairs, I murder the girl, then I plant my motorcycle down here for my escape. Um, but, uh. The replicant rolls up on this guy, and he looks like he's the lead singer of Judas Priest just waiting in the tunnels down <laughs> here. Yeah, the light, it does. It looks like an 80s music video with the lighting and the smoke and him on the motorcycle going, I know you would come. Um, but, uh. He's, so he's like, what are you? And because Rooker had said this earlier, the replicant is just like, genetic copy. And I love this guy just being, the torch is like, oh, cool, cool, man. I like I it. I can make this work for me. <laughs> this yes. will be great, man. Like, I have a genetic copy. This is really going to help me. <laughs> well, it, it's one of those things that plays into my knowledge of serial killers more than the movie is actually commenting on it which is oh of course this guy would be enraptured with the idea of a second of a, a copy of himself yeah yeah and he's like yeah serial killers often like have sort of a narcissistic oh totally uh, yeah bent to them yeah but here he's like you and i should join up i love you and this is his whole thing where he's like i love you you should come with me. But then Rooker comes in, and we get now, once again, fully the dog thing of like, come here, boy, you come with me. And then the other person else is like, no, no, me, you got to go with me. And he's like, hey, uh, oh, oh, oh. Except Rooker has a gun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, so. He, and so when he tries to shoot uh, the torch, the replicant stops him. Yeah, he's like, yes. no, do not shoot him. And so he stops him. The torch gets away, and then Rooker is right back to beating the shit out of this replicant. Is this mm -hmm. is this where where uh, the torch is saying, uh, "If I die, you die"? Yeah, is that's, that where that's, this happens. That's here. Okay, yeah, gotcha. But then that doesn't yeah. pay it's off into actual like we're stakes. the same. Was yeah. what he's saying to him over he, and over he again. He just means, right, yeah. if you kill me, you kill yourself. But yeah, exactly. Not literally, metaphorically. So it's not actually exciting or has any real stakes to it. Nope. Uh, <laughs> welcome to this whole movie, though. Uh, mm -hmm. And so, yeah. Uh, then we follow the killer, though, the torch, who goes to a hospital to see his infirmed mother, who was the the source of why he kills, of course, right? And I, why was why why was this, John? I, why was this? Because it's more creepy serial killer shit, right? Because he's going, I want to tell you, mother, about the new woman but I there killed. But there wasn't even like a scene where the replicant gets to have this conversation with the mother no. as if, you know what I mean? There's, I couldn't understand. Why couldn't she be dead and he just like... Like he carries her the trauma from her, like with yeah. him. I don't understand. No, instead we get well, we get this scene where she's going to die because of the horrible things he tells her. Yeah, that's right. Is that is that? <laughs> well, is this I, the first time he's admitted to being a serial killer? I don't to his know. Mother? It's so I don't I think, think the, so. 
No, because the implication is that he visits her a lot because yeah, he's on right. a first name basis with the receptionist. Well, yeah, because so <laughs> Dina's that he's been confessing his murders to her regularly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. He's been because uh, because he goes. Uh, she goes. Oh, she's she had kind of a bad day. He goes. Don't worry. I'll pick up her day. I have a surprise for her. And he has the the envelope with the photos of the woman he killed. Yeah. And then, yeah, he's, and, and he just, I mean, the whole scene is just him going, I killed this woman and it's all your fault, mother. Uh. <laughs> yeah. And she's, it's, the implication is that she's infirm in some way yeah. and can't yeah. really speak. So she can't say, hey, my son's killing people. So, Maybe check up on so that. So instead we just yeah. have her going, ah, ah, and, and then later we'll find out that she died shortly after this. And died. Yeah. 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 Amazing. Yeah. What <laughs> of a broken heart it happens all the time <laughs> yeah she lost the will to live man that's the problem just about to say yeah she gave up the will to live uh be shocked how often it happens it's, it's a very common it's reason for really, death among it's, mothers it's, it's so unfortunate yeah uh so anyway uh then just just to just so it's so funny because we get this then immediately we get angie calling rooker and giving, hey, I just am reading the dossier about the torch. Get this. His mother murdered his father and locked him in a closet and lit the whole house on fire. He only survived because it was raining that day. There you go, everybody. The explanation for that scene you just saw. Thanks, movie. Just immediately. Thanks, movie. Thanks. Yeah, cool. Immediately cool. Thanks, movie. Thank Thanks. You. It's almost wow. like having a footnote in a book, movie style. Yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> Now let's explain what you just saw. Uh, <laughs> you might have some questions. And so Here, let me let me help you out with that. And so they're like, "Oh man, that's where we need to go. We need to go to that hospital where this mother is." And so here comes Rooker dragging the replicant with him, and the nurse mm -hmm. is like, "Wait a minute, weren't you just here last night? Oh, we've tried to contact you. Your mother died." uh you know so the, the the they say that the mother's died and they're saying well can we see the body i don't know why they need to see the body i guess maybe to see if they can trigger something in the replicant i don't know what they're hoping to find at this point um no rooker is still in total abusive dad mode yeah. it's just like i'm gonna force you to look at your dead mom yeah and so they go in there but uh-oh the torch is already in there oh shit he comes in with his gun which totally led me to believe that, like, Angie had been captured or turned, because why else would she point them at this lead if it was just a trap from the torch? Don't worry, we'll not, we don't see her again in the movie, dance. so... Um, that's, yeah, that's true. No, yeah. we, see, we see the sun again, we do not see her again. Uh, true, yeah. And, uh, and so we get what I have here, a morgue standoff, where now the, mm -hmm. the torch has a gun to the replicant, and he makes Rooker throw his oh. gun away. There's this whole bit where the corpse of the mom is standing between the two yeah. Jean-Claude Van Dams, and it's like, there's rife with symbolism, but it's empty symbolism in this movie. Oh, God, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> A very damned if you do, damned yeah. if you don't, you know? It's like, on one side of the dead mom, you have the, the blank tabula rasa innocence of what this child might have been. On the other side of this dead mom, a.k.a. the trauma, you have this broken serial killer individual, and it's trying to present this yin-yang of, like, nature versus nurture, but they're both dangerous killers. 
So, well, and like, yeah, the movie's not like actually trying to do anything with this, though. No, there's no like shot that visually frames it this that is, way. This right. is classic. Exactly. This is classic yeah. action shelf, though, where the movie is almost accidentally being thematic. Uh, so close. <laughs> uh, we're so close. Um. So they. They. Yeah. They, this man. This almost means something. Uh. So, <laughs> uh and so this is where uh the oh yeah yeah uh the killer gives uh the torch gives the replicant a knife and he's like go on go kill michael rooker and uh <laughs> go kill the actor michael rooker um uh and, and he and he, he holds the knife and then he drops and goes no i can't i love him or whatever, you know, whatever. For it's, no reason. Yeah. No reason. <laughs> For some reason, nothing I love him. It should just be, he should just stab both of them and go like, fuck off, everyone. Uh, no, like, he, this would be an excellent point to, like, bring up all the shitty things that Michael, Michael Rooker has done to him. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then here's the list of the ways this man has treated you. Yeah. Is this really somebody you can trust? Yeah, I know, right? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> he uh, uh yeah but, and, and so it's and then the replicant though all of a sudden gets real smart here because the torch is going to shoot rooker then and but the replicant goes no mother wouldn't approve you're being a bad boy i guess he's he's i, I understand he has all the same memories but all of a sudden his mm -hmm. mental faculties are much higher because he knows, he knows this is a tactic to say to stop yeah. Him. yeah. Yeah, I know. Yeah. You're just going, like, well, this requires a level of thought he has not been capable of up to this point. Mm. Um, I, I am struggling so hard not to, like, well, it, it might be cooler if it did this. Like, the idea that if when they're closer together, this replicant is closer to... But I can't... Ooh, dude, it's, no, it's ooh, so yeah. easy to do with this movie, right? You can all... You can all there's always such an obvious thing to fix. <laughs> Uh, I've never seen a movie that would that could I could I could fix this in one more draft easily taking the script yeah. and fix it up pretty quickly. Um, yeah. it's so funny. I think we've talked about many ways to do that so far yeah. in this episode. Yeah, uh, this is my favorite moment. Is, is so he's getting upset. He goes, "No, I am not a bad boy," and then he starts shooting his mother's corpse. He just starts yeah, pumping round after happens. round into the mother's dead body, and this sets off now they're fighting. The replicant is actually mm -hmm. fighting this time. And here, once again, something almost cool happens, which is they're matching each other move for move. Every punch is the same. Every kick is the same. That's cool. Well, that that, that doesn't happen until they get down to the oh, that crematorium. That might, okay. Yeah. That, that might be. Uh, because yeah. it's at this point that they, uh, that, that Michael Rooker chases the the killer out of this room as the replicant is knocked down. Yeah, uh, right. They are having a fight that shoulder. will lead them down to the crematorium. Yes, exactly. Uh, that's right. Well, because first we got to do this whole ambulance chase. Oh, right. Which is basically, I mean, we can get through it quick because the, the the torch steals this ambulance. Rooker jumps on the side. They fight inside the cabin of the ambulance, and then Rooker gets thrown off of it as it crashes. Where it crashes into the crematorium, isn't it? Uh, no, into a stairwell a that yeah. leads yeah. down to the crematorium, which the fact that the crematorium is just under the parking garage of this nursing home? Hospital? I have yeah. no idea what these people Assisted are. Assisted living, 
something like that. I don't know. Hospice. Mother was living there. She was in, assist, in, a, in an assisted living situation. Yeah, well, I guess it's, yeah. Well, you know, I don't think it's they, just efficiency I, to have a crematorium <laughs> under it. That's this. what I thought. I thought that too. I thought, man. Christ. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll take your loved ones right from bed to burner. <laughs> it's a assisted living slash funeral home. Yeah. You know, for efficiency's sake. Don't worry, we'll fry up your loved ones for you. Uh, it's, it is so insane. But it's just to get this, because now the torch, befitting his name, is going to jam Rooker into the crematorium oven, of course. Uh, well, because they have a big fight, and he slams Rooker's head, and we get this whole sequence. That's, oh, it's so weird! Like, it's so in concussion vision. Yeah, it's trying yeah. to be very artsy, but this movie—it's—it's it's still this movie. Uh, <laughs> and uh, uh, let's see. Uh, oh, when he does get him up there, we get the last one liner of the movie, which is uh, the torch says, "Not bad for a mama's boy." <laughs> Uh, but of course the replicant runs in and he's got Rooker's gun and gets him off of the crematorium. Oh, uh, the gun that he pulled out of a trough full of human blood. Yep. His mother's blood. Listen, I don't know how much you know about the process of like preparing a body after it has died. Dude, it wasn't blood. blood. Not that much. No, it was brown goo. Oh no. That is all of the other juices. Yeah. That's blood. That's everything you squeeze out of a person before you throw them in a box. Yeah. So, can we all safely assume that this gun would not be functional after? I that? think so. Yeah. yeah. I, I think there's a. I think Between there's a good gristle in any of the mechanisms. Yeah. <laughs> Human gristle. Yeah. <laughs> so they fight. This is where they're fighting evenly matched, and every punch and kick is the same. Which is once again, yes. that's what I wanted to see more of in the movie. That's a cool it's, idea. It's kind of the only thing we were really asking yeah. of this film to deliver. Uh, finally, the replicant has the upper hand and has a gun on him, but he can't shoot him. Can't do it. No, do it. because he's the same. Kill him, I'm killing myself. We're the same. Oh, we're no, brothers. And uh, and by having that distraction, then oh no. The, the the torch has a shovel. Uh, <laughs> and oh, because he 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 does defeat the torch though. He beats him up. He gets him on the ground. Yeah. He puts his boot in his neck and seems to choke him out. That's what. And that's, then he that's where he's going to Michael Rooker. Yeah. yeah. And then he gets hit and in the head with a shovel. To, and then he gets hit with a shovel in the back of the head. And then Rooker just guns down the torch, and you're like, oh, that's it. How does the torch like, not go into the oven? I. I ask I, you this. This is totally set up for that to be the villain's death here. I know. Yeah, yeah. It would have been a great death. To the point where after Michael Rooker is saved from getting stuffed in the torch, the conveyor belt leading into yeah. the the, the is still running. So I was like, okay, they've set this up. They're going to toss him in there. Yeah, it's, to- uh, it's, it's totally going to oh, be. it's an action shelf special. Yeah. Setting up something <laughs> legitimately cool and just not realizing. Didn't you think uh, uh, Replicant was going to kick him and he'd end up on the conveyor belt into the torch? Yeah. And he would mm-hmm. the torch would yeah. get torched. Oh god, it doesn't it doesn't happen though. And it would symbolize the innocence and the purity of childhood overcoming the trauma of the parent and throwing it into the cleansing fire. There's a whole metaphor there that they neatly avoid. he gets a second chance to be a normal human being because he's destroyed the this monstrous version of himself Mm -hmm. no instead we get uh him looking over and he's sad that the guy's dead and he says all of my family is dead now and then rooker says 
He's not your family. I'm oh, your boy. family. <laughs> no. Maybe your Come on, father, let's get out of here. He ain't daddy. <laughs> well, oh, that's an interesting point that, that yeah, Rooker will <laughs> land this uh, sentiment much better in a much better written and made movie. Uh, yeah. Yes. Uh, <laughs> instead, the place lights on fire and it's all about to explode. <laughs> so why does this happen? This happens because while the Van Dams were fighting, they knocked a heater off the ceiling yeah, and yeah, that yes. causes an electric fire yeah, which yeah. then spreads to a gas tank. Yep, yep. Which okay. all sort of next to each other. And, yes. and, uh, In the crematorium. Yeah, that seems to... That's tracks. Replicant pushes... <laughs> Why do you need a heater in the room with a giant furnace that burns corpses? God, it's so cold in this crematorium, man. I gotta get a space heater in here. Uh... Not like the giant tanks of gasoline. And of course, in, like, also in classic there. action shell fashion, no one is around. No. There's no one working There's in this no area. safety. No. There's no safety mechanisms Mm-mm. for just in case something no. goes wrong. In this no, no, there's nothing plane. to turn yeah. off. There's, the crematorium was already operational when they went in there. Like it was already on, mm-hmm. even though no one was down there or doing anything. Uh, it's all classic. Uh, in, case you, in case you got a slot of body in there real quick, John. <laughs> Oh, we can't be turning this thing on and off all day. We just got to leave it on twenty four seven. When you're under, when you're under an old folks' home, you just have to let you just yeah. have to let it keep running, just in case. <laughs> oh, whatever. Abe died. Toss him in. Uh. The only the only reason they didn't use the chute that leads from the upper floors to get down here is because they needed that ambulance chase. <laughs> yes, exactly. There we go. We're just throwing <laughs> a laundry chute that they're just throwing bodies down. Yeah, got another one. Um, <laughs> so Van Dam, uh, the replicant, pushes Rooker out of the room, then locks the door. And I thought, what is this like a Terminator Two thing, where he's like, "I have to be destroyed as well." Yeah, man. Yeah, Lisman's doing the descending thumb into the, which is, I mean, which is we as we talk about one of the all-time great action movies. Uh, yeah, but uh, but no, it's also then we see Van Dam look over at the 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 slotted drawers of the the which also i thought was weird that they had these because weren't we in the morgue earlier so why does the crematorium mm-hmm. also need the like body you know the the metal lockers where the bodies just, just in case the body gets back up john you never know <laughs> well these are the thawing lockers you have the cooled lockers <laughs> up top you gotta put them down in these lockers so they thaw out a little bit you don't throw a a frozen body into the furnace. That's a recipe for disaster right there. That's Again, pretty much all, 101. Of course. Yeah, ah, it's all about energy efficiency. He's popping all, all over the place, efficiency. man. Come on. This thing's popping yeah. and uh, ah, we got stuff shooting off him. Um, but th- that's what we see. We see him look over and then the fed, then it's, it's later after this place has exploded and the feds like, mm-hmm. God damn it. You let the replicant blow up. The only thing that would have survived in there are the bodies in those metal lockers. That won't play into the plot in any way. How did nobody find the guy who was in one of those lockers? We didn't think it was worth looking at him, so... (laughs) I mean, it makes sense, because the police work is pretty shoddy at best in this movie. Yeah. But here's a fun thing. Those lockers don't open from the inside. No. (laughs) Why would they need to? Excuse me. Someone let me out of here. Uh, this guy's still alive. There's a separate replicant who, yeah. who locked. Oh, were you guys a third that version? A, another replic- <laughs> I was hoping that a third Van Dam was going to show up at some point. This one shows up with a cyborg eye, and he's like, "I'm from the future." <laughs> <laughs> Just 
quickly transitions to Time Cop. Yeah. Yeah. And also, it's me, the character from Time Cop, uh, whose name uh, I don't sh- remember. We should also say before he before it explodes and Rooker leaves him, uh, uh, Van Damme is saying, "I see the rain" or something like oh, that. Oh yeah, because like, it's it's the memory of the rain saving him from the fire, and I mean it's it's like either actually have him blow himself up. Or don't, don't do this. This is so dumb. See, what I took it as, he predicted he could see into the future, his own genetic future, <laughs> mm. uh, of him delivering the, the weird clown well, Because that's the, that's the next thing, is Rooker's hanging out with the sun, uh, yeah. and he sees this guy in a rain slicker put something in the mailbox outside, and it's the weird clown toy that the mother had from this when was, he was so ch- weird and it's it's is- i mean what even with no context this is a creepy ass toy man yeah <laughs> and rooker and the kid have almost no reaction to it no i mean rooker has this last line of the movie which is he always did like the rain yeah that's true and hookers because the next time we see him he's at the red light district <laughs> And there's the hooker in the middle of the day. She works some long shifts, man. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. And then she's like, oh, my God, you did find me. And they walk off together. And I just thought, what? Who wanted this? Into <laughs> the black end of movie. Who, who, yep. who was watching the movie and go, man, I really hope he hooks back up with that hooker. Because they really had a nice chemistry. <laughs> like, they had, they had a great chemistry. That These last two scenes, to me felt so much like there was a test screening at some point <laughs> and people thought the end of the movie was too sad. You can't have him blow up. Yeah, it was more of a Terminator 2 thing where it's like we have to destroy right. all the thing and they're like, no, no, no. We want to see him get with that hooker girl. She seemed nice. <laughs> so weird. How, how can yeah. I feel satisfied leaving this movie if he doesn't get laid at the end of it? Yeah. Is, is, I don't, yeah, the implications of that ongoing relationship yeah. are so just upsetting, <laughs> and I don't want to think about I, it. I have no. Yeah, I don't know. What does this say about her? That that's what she's turned on by. Uh, boy, this yeah. movie. Uh, but I don't think there's a kill of the movie here. There's nothing interesting kill wise in this movie. Hmm. Yeah, because, I mean, the torch is just shot twice in the chest. Yeah, and the torch kills people, but always off screen. I would say that guy who got vaporized, but he didn't die, apparently, so. Right. The the only straight-up, like, murder we see the torch committing, I guess, is when he guns down that bar owner. And the guy in the car. Yeah. Uh, yeah, just, just like and even that's like shootings. we never focus on the corpses in the car. Yeah. We see a couple of slumped over silhouettes behind yeah. shattered glass. Yeah. We yeah. never actually see them. I'll which, say this is a we huge... haven't talked about it, but the blood in this movie is so red. Yeah, yeah, it is. <laughs> it's what they had lying around. Yeah, um, Do yeah. You guys find it weird yeah. that they never gave the replicant a nickname or anything. Like, there's, yeah. there's so little effort to humanize him. Yeah, that like Brooker doesn't even bother to give him a nickname. So, like, I think he we calls him cousin Robbie at some point, but that doesn't stick. Yeah, yeah, no, I don't. Yeah, no. yeah. This, 
this movie. This movie's a mess. I honestly would rather watch last week's movie again if I was going to watch one. Really? I think I so. I would not. Oh, this, no. I think this is a better film. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, I, 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 this one's way weirder, but I, I think Pound of Flesh was was better, in my opinion. Um, it I didn't, don't know. I, I, I think they're bad in different ways. They, they definitely are bad in different ways. So I don't think there's a kill of the movie we can really hand out here. But let's yeah, choose a one-liner. Deadly Prey again. Uh, well, yeah, I mean, yeah. deadly prey. Deadliest prey. Yeah. Actually, was I the? I, you, you were guys the, preferred the first yeah, one, right? I you were the fan the of the second one. one. I, yeah, I think the first one is yeah. the more enjoyable one. Uh, they're the same movie, so it doesn't really matter. Um, as we talked about, right? Exactly. Uh, uh, except yeah. the second one has lovable nerds, uh, supposedly. Mm. Uh, let's pick up one liner here. And go through our nominees once again. Uh, when he's driving a car at Michael Rooker, uh, uh, evil Jean Claude Van Damme says, "Be afraid, Jake." be very afraid uh while on the phone with the torch michael rooker says mommy must be proud of her little psycho uh when the replicant comes out of his cloning pod michael rooker says welcome to my world motherfucker uh upon smashing the phone that a bartender was trying to call the police with uh the torch says no more phone calls uh and then uh finally when he's trying to throw him into the oven in the crematorium uh the torch says not bad for a mama's boy what do we think here like gregoni i know you I love, love no more phone calls. phone calls because it just is such a non sequitur no and... more phone calls here's here's the thing i don't know if anything else is better than that you know, no, like honestly, none of them are great. No, no more phone calls would never even be in the running on any other movie, but it's equally right. as dumb as anything else here. Right, exactly. Because um, the, the the not bad for a mama's boy just rose me the wrong way because it's so against character for this guy to bring up his own trauma. <laughs> I know, yep. right? The, this movie has no interest in this guy having anything close to a real psychological profile as a serial killer no, at all. No, just, mm. um, do we want to just give it to no more phone calls then? I don't know why not. No more phone calls. I mean, I, I feel broke your so... phone. <laughs> I want it just for a year from now when you have to read this in the running yeah. for best one liner. <laughs> it makes no sense. And we won't remember what it had to do with anything. Right, Those are some of the right. best ones. Yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah I'd, we'll give it to that then. No more phone yeah, calls. That'll be. be fun for us a year from now. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, as you know, it's always my uh, my sacred duty to find the strangest IMDb reviews for these movies. And uh, I've got a couple ones here, a, a negative and a positive. Here's the negative review. Uh, this comes to us from Solu Chan. And uh, the, uh, the, the review is titled, Largest Crap I Have Ever Had to Swallow sad face oh gross (laughs) i forced myself to watch this i can only imagine swallowing a load of dog crap would be worse i don't usually use poor language like this however i will make an exception as i do not want to insult the english language the movie was horrible all caps three exclamation points sorry four exclamation points uh one out of ten stars i don't know if i'd go that far i mean it's not good but jesus um yeah i've seen worse but yeah uh now uh there, there are moments where if you're not intellectually like 
uh, aware of what's happening and the level of discomfort it might provoke in you makes mm-hmm. you go, I don't like it. Why is it making me feel things? Stop mm-hmm, it. Mm-hmm. Mm. Uh, here, this one comes to us from IMDb user PK Maiden, uh, and it's called How Can It Get Better Than This? And I will upfront apologize for the language and words used by this person, which are not my own, nor those of the acting show. But the use of these words, I think, uh, further add to the strangeness of this review. Oh, boy. I'm I'm nervous. Replicant is one of the best films by Van Damme. Ringo Lamb has done a great job with this picture. Van Damme plays the retarded replicant and the serial killer, Torch. I have never seen anyone play retarded better than Van Damme in this film. The fun is that the retard can fight. How can anyone dislike this film? I really don't understand. It doesn't get better than this. I know what you're thinking. He's just a stupid diehard Van Damme fan. Dot, dot, dot. Yes, I am. 10 out of 10 stars. Mm. Oof. What, 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 what year was that review posted in? 2003. <sighs> okay. It's slightly more forgivable. I mean, uh, emphasis on slightly. On slightly I mean, yeah, yeah. It's it oh wouldn't have, it wouldn't have raised as many eyebrows at the time. Let me say that as opposed to slightly more forgivable. It wouldn't have been as shocking then, and I wouldn't have read it had he not put in the part about nobody plays it better than Van Damme. That's what sold me on. I need to include this for because if this yeah, is in any way a <laughs> an accurate depiction of someone with a mental handicap. Um, no. Nope, not even close. Uh, but there is yeah. somebody else who Oof. watched this movie, an old friend of ours, Lisman, who did watch this week's mm. movie. And it's who doesn't time... use ableist slurs in their reviews. Uh, he does not. So he far. does not. Uh, and he does not on this one. So, so far. <laughs> it's time for another uh, a segment of The Winning Opinion. Uh, here we go. Bruce Winning's review of uh, Replicant. Uh, his review is titled Action and Violence in Science Fiction. I like 16.9 and 5.1 together. I like action and violence. I like the shooting. I like the car scenes. Mm -hmm. I like the punching and kicking. I appreciate the recommendation in the email, and I will try to watch more like this. Five out of five stars. Well, fortunately for Bruce, (laughs) there's three other Van Damme movies that have (laughs) him fighting himself. that, That is boilerplate Bruce winning, but I do always love the confirmation that he is very closely reading the emails from Amazon and and following their recommendations, and the sci-fi didn't actually, detract his, no, from his, no. of his love here. No, we know he doesn't. We like know sci-fi. he doesn't like sci-fi. Well, and I think this also reveals another layer in the onion that is Bruce winning because it's not just the recommendations of oh, what you might also like on the Amazon video service itself. Yeah. He's receiving those emails oh, of yeah. recommendations yeah. that I believe like show up every other week or so if my own inbox is any indication. Yeah, I mean, they, they and... go right to my like promotions junk folder, so I don't see them, but exactly. I know they're there. Uh... <laughs> if there was an option for them to send him full-on like envelopes of recommendations, I think Bruce would take it. You know? Oh yeah, 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 yeah. I think they, I think they. Will. I mean, it's he really is this whole thing where he has this relationship to Amazon, and all these reviews are written to Amazon, thanking the entity that is Amazon for pointing him towards movies, which is always an interesting thing to think about. All right, uh, finally, we didn't care for this movie too much. Can we come up with a better vehicle for Jean Claude Van Damme? And I think we should 
stretches out to is the what needs to be a better version where he plays dual roles okay so yes i am yeah. gonna hit i mean the action movie oh, randomizer right now and see what we get and oh well this worked out now now quick question before we go yeah is this a movie in which there are two jean-claude van dams as well yes that's what i'm saying it's another dual okay. role okay, for okay. him uh, that yes. that needs to be it, and this title has worked out perfectly because this title that was randomly generated is Double Retribution. Oh, boy, that was wow. random. That was random. That's, I swear, okay. I swear, these it's it's random every time. I swear, because we would make up funnier and easier ones <laughs> if we were actually making them up. These really are randomly generated. So wow, yeah. John and Jack Retribution are both oh, if you, soldiers. If you, I love it. If you can get the title word into the names, then I'm on board. The Retribution Brothers. They are both uh, black ops soldiers yeah. in Don't Worry About It. Right. And about it. In made-up foreign country. In made-up made foreign country. In, in, yeah. a, in a conflict that doesn't have any morally compromising issues about it. No, no, no. Yeah, no, yeah. General yeah. war. It's just a general war of some sort. Yeah. They are betrayed uh -oh. by their unit mm. and left for dead. Mm. And so the retribution twins have to do what they do best against the people that have betrayed them. It's time to earn our family name. <laughs> so... I'm envisioning a movie that is just scenes cutting back and forth between Jean-Claude Van Damme and Jean-Claude Van Damme as he literally does everything in a two-man action movie by himself. I love it, man. I mean, it's definitely way more ambitious than than this movie. Oh, yeah. Which there's, a, there's like one or two scenes that he actually is uh, no, they really, uh, interacting they with. They keep him apart pretty frequently. For the, yeah, they really yes. do. Uh, I, so I will movie, just say they're really going for it. The tagline uh, for this movie, of course, is "Retribution isn't just their name." <laughs> <laughs> that's good, Gurgani. Uh, yeah, that's a double retribution. Jean Claude Van Damme and Jean Claude Van Damme in double retribution is come into a red box near you. Uh, all right, well, Gurgani, thank you for joining us for this, which is now officially the longest episode we've ever done. Um, oh which is uh, you thought the double feature I started on would have still be the longest, but no, 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 no. It, it's this. Well, because this movie you really did have to dive in on, right? Um, it, this movie does get worse the more you think about it. It really is. It, it's and one of those. It's yeah. one of those. Next week on the show, we saw Van Damme play both the hero and villain. This week, next week, mm -hmm. he is squarely the villain. That's right. Van Damme makes a heel turn in next week's movie where we will be watching Enemies Closer. Uh, and uh, and joining us, another favorite, making well, one of our favorite people, but making his first appearance on the action shelf, our pal Talon Bigelow will be with us. Uh, mm, and he'll be talking hey. about Enemies Closer. And uh, yeah. listen, as always, I will ask, do you want to hear the tagline for Enemies Closer? Yeah, let's do it. Well, you I mean, this one writes itself, right? The tagline is mm. keep your friends close. Wow. Enemies closer. Okay. Van Damme, enemies closer next week. Oh, and boy. yet and yet another sign of quality listman. And for our viewer or for our listeners who want to view these movies along with us, this movie is just straight up for Somebody free on YouTube. 
not illegally, just up, put up by the studio for free on YouTube. So, yeah. uh, readily available. And also, let's not say a blissful 85 minutes. Oh, John, what a what a what a beautiful <laughs> the, sentence! The first said. two JCVD movies we've done this month have been a hundred minutes plus. So yeah, this yeah. has been ha This is that's a that's a happy to hear. But uh, we probably won't have three and a half hours in us next week. So uh, we'll see. enjoy this extra length. And Gurgoni, you're coming back uh, to do another double feature with us in the coming months. So uh, oh boy, yeah, <laughs> we'll get to that. Which which uh, which? Well, I'll just tease by saying. It is from the same director as the Deadly Prey franchise. So, uh, yes. <laughs> but uh, that is going to do it for this week's episode of The Action Shelf. I'm John Campbell. I'm Michael Usman. Uh, until next week, get yourself some action. The Action Shelf. The Action Shelf is part of the Panel Up Podcast Network. Remember to follow us on social media. We're at Action Shelf Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And you can email us at actionshelfpod at gmail.com. Of course, you can also support the entire network by heading over to patreon.com slash panel up to get cool exclusive bonus content. The Action Shelf.